Welcome, dirty peasants, to Warwood Gazette, the Amphibia podcast. This is episode 45, and we are covering Amphibia Season 2, Episode 5, Swamp Insensibility and Wax Museum. I'm your host, Thumbaticon, and joining me today, we have Princess Cthulhu. Hello, everyone. It's good to be back. Impact. Yo, what's poppin', y'all? And Nick. What's up, guys? All right, thanks, guys, for coming on. So, no news this week. Um, I just remembered Matt made a tweet about... Uh, if you've been keeping up with the animation industry, there's been a lot of... Uh, there's been, like, a pro... Not protest, but, like, a push for better, uh, better pay and better better working conditions in the animation industry and matt posted a really nice video about uh the importance of uh colorists uh in production and what they do and why they deserve better working conditions and better wages and it's probably it's it's on his twitter somewhere it'd be it's it's a nice it's a nice video it's an interesting it's nice to see matt supporting these workers and and him, oh. like, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree completely. In fact, I'm I'm glad that there's been a push, uh, in the animation industry for more ethical treatment of workers. I'm sure we all remember the whole Futurama thing with John DiMaggio not coming back because him and his coworkers aren't getting paid what he thinks is fair. Yeah, and credit to him, like, just for sticking by that and. For 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 the, like apparently he's on board now for the pro for the revival, but I'm assuming oh, is he? I, I missed that on that. Oh okay. yeah, I mean so... I, I'm I'm guessing I'm guessing he got to pay you on event right. Like he wouldn't come back unless they actually like gave him something he wanted this time. Because I know like yeah, this isn't the first time they had a whole fight about the pay they were getting. Like back then, mm-hmm. like they folded pretty fast, but here like I think here I think like he actually got what he wanted out of this. I mean I don't know for sure, yeah. but fingers crossed. Well, that's good. But yeah, I'm I'm glad that creators are drawing more attention to the workers of the animation industry. Especially for jobs as underappreciated as colorists. Yeah. It's just, it's really nice to see them all unified. Because I know, like, a lot of what I've heard um, from them is just they were just afraid of being, like, that single person with a voice. Just saying this stuff but the fact that like so many of them have gone on twitter just to share their experiences like i just love seeing that you know because it just shows they have people who are just like them who are willing to stand by them right for sure and hopefully like hopefully this doesn't die down like in everyone in the industry keeps like voicing their keeps voicing their like concern over this so it doesn't leave like the public eye so yeah, hopefully that can. I mean, I'm, I'm like constantly liking and retweeting anything I can. I know it's like all I can do, but like I, I just keep going at it. Right. So I guess like other than that, th- that's it for news this week. Uh, we'll go right into swap and sensibility, which was written by Gloria Shen, storyboards by Alicia Rocha and Silver Paul, and directed by Kyler Spears. 
So while on their trip, the planners, Bessie's, uh, Bessie's reins break, and then they're forced to make a pit stop in, uh, in Ribbitville. Where I'm actually checking the the name of the this I town. It's Ribbitin. Ribbitin, and it's a super fancy place to live and super expensive as well. But they happen to encounter uh, a Wally of all people. <laughs> And it turns out that he's the uh, the son of of like a really like rich and famous, not famous, like a very popular type of like flo- foot floss. And he's like, Wally's a millionaire. <laughs> and uh, the the planners react to this, and then they get invited for dinner, and then we get this whole plot about Wally revealing to his parents or to his dad, what he did in Wartwood, him getting shunned by that, and be- because Anne kind of forced him to reveal this, and Anne has to help Wally uh, remain part of the family, basically, and eventually they, after like a game of... a game similar to Polo, it's... uh. I'm trying to look for the name of the game. This, this, this like polo version. This frog version. It was kind of more like 1v1 soccer. True. I guess because of the like the sticks, that made me like think of croquet more. Yeah. Or not croquet. Sorry, polo. But anyways, yeah, they get they get they have that duel. Then eventually, like Wally and helps Wally win, and then. It ends. The episode ends with Wally's dad accepting him, and and that was swapping sensibility. And yeah, I, this was a really fun episode. It was kind of like the the sequel to Wally and Anne, and it was nice to. Even though we're on the road trip, it was nice to get, uh, like a. I, I'm pretty much paraphrasing everything like a, f- a friend of ours, Advent, said in, in the chat a few days ago. It felt like a Wartwood episode on the road. And also, since it was like a sequel to Wally and Anne, that's why the episode like felt so great and felt like a really nice follow-up. Uh, yeah, the animation was nice. It was nice to see uh, Ribbit, Ribbiton, or sorry, Ribbitvale. It's a, it was a nice... Uh, we're so used to seeing kind of like I don't know how to describe like the Frog Valley architecture, but like this one's like a lot more fancy, as the episode stated. It was nice to see all like the really like nice decorative backgrounds and the the players weren't too involved in this, which was fine because since this is a Wally Nand follow up, it's it made sense to focus on them. And of course, Wally's great. We got that Kermit the Frog cameo, and yeah, all around this was a really this was a really fun episode uh impact what are your thoughts on this segment so i really like this episode a lot um like them which like what you said this is a a sequel to um to um to wally and ann and i think like i'm not sure this is our first kind of like sequel episode we get more of these like in in season three where like we get fixing frobo to sequel the friend or frobo Hollywood Hop Pop um, is a sequel to Caravan of Desire. 
Um, so this was really fun. It was a really cool role reversal too of um, of Wally and Anne, where um, Anne in that episode, Anne had to learn kind of to to not care about what other people think about her. Um, but now it's the reverse. Now Anne's trying to help Wally out with kind of the the same problem, but she kind of pulls it off in the wrong kind of way. She's trying to help, but like it ends up backfiring on her in general. She tries to make up for it in some way. And I really like this episode. It's really fun. Um, I think this is one of like, I don't know. I just really enjoy this episode a lot. I love that dynamic between Wally and and that's really fun that they brought that back. Um, and yeah, and the setting for this episode is really fun too. Um, so yeah, I really like this episode. All right, thank you, Impact. Uh, PC, what were your thoughts on this episode? Well, I think uh, I, I also quite enjoyed it. I think perhaps my favorite thing about this episode is that, like all good twists should, it makes the preceding story better. Like, if you rewatch Wally and Anne after having watched uh this episode it it becomes objectively better the second time I'm around because you see uh Wally talking about getting a fresh start in a new place where nobody knows who you are and that's so clearly why he chooses to live in Wartwood uh and I just I just love that because that's that is how that is how twists and surprises should be. It should not only surprise you, it should make the stuff that came before it better on rewatch. Overall, I I really enjoyed the episode. Um humor it has one of my favorite jokes in the entire show regarding the family challenge. But that being said, I, I don't think it was perfect. The ending felt a little not phoned in, but it, it felt a little bit too easily resolved. But still, overall, one of my favorite episodes of season two, an already extremely heavily loaded season. All right. Thank you, PC. Nick, what were your thoughts on this episode? I mean the same thing. The same thing um, you guys have already said. Like it's a great episode, full of a lot of funny jokes. Um, it's like, yeah, personally, I can't tell whether or not like they planned for this huge twist with Wally, but like whether or not they did. Like it, yeah, like PC said, it has a, a really great connection um, to Wally and Anna. Just what Wally tried to teach Anna in that episode. You know, just the whole idea of staying true to yourself, going to going to a new place and shaping a whole new identity to fall in love with. It's all right there, and I think they did a really good job of connecting it. Um, I don't have too much to say right now because I do want to save my thoughts for later for us to like go on about. But like, yeah, overall, just great episode. All right, thank you, Nick. So getting into the episode, it uh, it starts off with another with another one of uh, Anne's like whatever movies Anne downloaded on her phone. Like the, the it was called from point to hopping, I think. <laughs> And it looked like one of those, like, actually, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just like one of those movies where the child is doing that extracurricular thing, but then they also have this other thing they're more passionate about, 
<laughs> the the high school high school musical thing. Yeah, yeah, high school musical. Uh yeah, that was funny and and like you have like the comedic tears and mucus <laughs> for the for the ugly crying. I I really like seeing Sprig all snuggled up in his blanket. <laughs> it was just really cute. Yeah, that was nice too. He just <laughs> I used to sit in there. And then Yeah, no, that was just that was just funny. I I, don't, I just thought it was really funny that her whole motivation for this episode of all Okay, part of it was helping Wally, but like there is this underlying need to see her movie brought into reality. It, it, it was just really funny to me. We sorry, repeat that, Nick. So separating what from reality? Like Obviously, like, her main motivation here was to help Wally with his family, but, like, I just thought it was really funny that there's her, uh, uh, like, underlying need to have her movie brought into reality. Oh, <laughs> right. I think she, when when has she done this? Um, she does it in the future for Sprig Gets Schooled, but... Yeah, she, she, frequent, she frequently uses movies that she has seen to, uh, Heavily color her worldview of certain things. Yeah, and it doesn't really stop until I think season three. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this might be getting a bit too in the weeds, but I, I think episodes like this really kind of show a. Uh, a clear point on Anne's character arc throughout the series, uh, going from someone who is selfish to someone who wants to help but doesn't know how to, and finally uh, going to what we see in season three. And I'm not going to get into the the weeds with all that, but right, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Okay. And then hop up. Is trying to control Bessie after the rain snap, and I love how like Sprig points out, uh, like they they can go to Ribbit Vale, but then Hop Hop's like, no, everything's expensive. We're not going there. <laughs> but then of course they they end up, they they don't have any other choice, and I I like I like how Bessie is just like cuddling up with that sheep fly. <laughs> it's just, I just thought it was cute. Oh yeah, another scene of Bessie being the best character on screen. <laughs> yeah, she's still she's still carry like at this point in the series, she's still carrying the show on her back. Yeah. So pr- props to her. They so yeah, the planners get into into Ribbit Vale and they're immediately taken aback by the fancy, as Hop Hop described in. I I love how like Spring and Polly both have those like those expressions, and then like Hop Hop like sprays Polly with water like a like a dog, <laughs> not a dog, just like a pet or whatever. Like, <laughs> oh, I just felt bad for Polly. Like, imagine like Hop Hop just like spraying the kids when they like misbehave. <laughs> they're amphibians. They're they're fine. <laughs> I they mean, like being. Yeah, so they, they like being sprayed with water. Yeah, so this would, yeah, this would I, be I a punishment. That's the weird part. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it's weird how we discipline something. I just, it just made me think of Little Frog Town when, like, 
he tries to hype up. Like, I don't even remember. I think he tried to hype up like going to South's restaurant to go get some like go, go get a burn or something. And like when the kids were happy with that, he just slaps them across the face of like a newspaper or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Hubble doesn't play around. Uh, so yeah, they get into Ribbonvale, and I'm trying to look at what's on the sign when they enter. The fanciest town in all of Amphibia. <laughs> That's, uh... I guess they they know they're... I guess that's just them marketing their town. It is admittedly a very fancy town. I've, I've, I don't remember, I'm not looking at it right now, but I believe the buildings are coated in solid gold. Gold or copper? Yeah, it's something... Fancy, <laughs> and it, it looks... is interesting. Oh, go ahead, impact. Uh, oh. oh, I was gonna say it is interesting that like Ribbit Vale is mostly frogs and stuff. It isn't like a lot of like because we usually think of like society in, in amphibia like the hot shots are like the newts, you know, with Newtopia and such. They're the ones with the highest amount of power. But it is interesting that we have like a town of frogs that like is rich and is a little wealthy. I don't know. I think that I find that very interesting. You would have thought like, obviously Wally's dad's not going to be a new. Well, I mean, maybe, but probably not. But like, I just find that very neat that they had like an entire frog town that has full of like, full of frogs. That's rich. I think that actually adds a lot more to the world of amphibia. Kind of makes it more diverse. It's not just the newts have all the power. They still do. But like, Frogs can get their way up in the world. It's very hard, but they can. So, uh, yeah. So I like that a lot about this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's a nice bit of it's a nice bit of unsaid background storytelling that um that uh, frogs are allowed to be like rich merchants, but not allowed to hold say public office, which is something that a lot of oppressed people like experienced in the past like being allowed to succeed but still not allowed to actually be represented in the government right right and i i guess the ribbit veil could be like what's the word if i'm saying it right the bourgeois yeah I mean, I they're very bougie. I, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, no, I really do get you guys saying it. Like, yeah, it's like, do you think some of it comes from the benefit of not being like closed within the valley? Like, they don't have any like cohorts like watching over them, like oppressing them through like harsh taxes or anything. Like, do you think Probably, it comes from some yeah. of that? Probably, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think there's like. It might be, like, controlled somewhat by, like, another... T- I'm not sure, like, where exactly are we in Amphibia? Are we still in the place where Grime kind of... Because we're out of the valley, right? So, like, yeah, Grime we're... doesn't control this part. Yeah, so Grime doesn't have... They wouldn't have any control outside of Frog Valley. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean... Because there's, the I mean... there's the other towers, too. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. No, I mean, I, mean, I, think, I think generally the main reason why the valley is under such harsh control is because it's like mostly farmland while this kind of seems like a trading center like a crossroads of sorts Ooh, that's a good point shoot 
I didn't think about that. Oh, like, so it's like they don't. They're more concerned. The toads are more concerned about making sure the frogs actually produce. But then once it gets traded, it's not really something they need to worry about. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and we know that the valley is like extremely fertile farmland. Yeah. Like the first season is in winter and they have several harvests. So presumably a lot of amphibious food comes from the Frog Valley. So that's why they're under such tight control. It's weird that like it's Frog Valley gets closed off though after like for for like three months. Like if that's where a lot of like food for amphibia comes from, like that kind of sucks, right? Because you can't like get those crops and stuff for like three months because the valleys are closed off. Well, they they stock up pr- beforehand, and and I'll remind you that as soon as the valley melted, we see tons of truckers on the main road. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna bring that up. Like, oh yeah, Soggy Joe is immediately like that's why we see him on the road. I mean, like. Yeah, I guess like, like I think Soggy Joe's like car was carrying like lumber and stuff. So I can see the moment Frog Valley opens up, like all this like trade happens along the main path, which is what Hop Hop and the kids are taking right now. Yeah, it's 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 just very interesting how and and I'm sure I'm sure that you know the the amphibia crew are not putting like too much thought into the socioeconomic complexities of amphibia. (laughs) But I do like how things are kind of built up in the background without, like, being spelled out exactly. Like, this big, prosperous trading town full of super-rich frogs. It it adds a lot to the world, like you were saying. Yeah, I like how amphibia is, like, Amphibia's world, it's it's kind of easy to build on it. But like they do, it doesn't really step toes over whatever they've established before. So it just feels like we're still... It just feels like a nice... It feels like a bunch of layers that don't really like interfere with one another. I think like Matt called it like, like soft world building for Amphibia. We always get like kind of a general idea of how the entire world works but like we never get like whole hog into it you know like we're not having like government talks you don't see like andreas like i don't know having big like government talks about negotiations like we don't we don't get a big exposition dump about how the toad hierarchy works but we meet the commanders of the north south in East Toad Towers, for instance. Right. Like, we get we get lots of, of, of things that kind of tell us what's going on, but give us plenty of room to fill in the background details. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Back to the episode, we get into Ribbit Vale. We meet Wally, and... I like how, when they describe the town, they're like, oh, there's even a one... A one-eyed Wally, and then they realize it's the one-eyed Wally, and Wally's got that like I don't know what to describe his like his clothes as just down. Oh really? Wait, what'd you say? 
I said frilly. Frilly. Yeah. Yeah, he has like those frill things on his shoulders and his little hat and he has his own cane. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to call it a, a a pimp cane, but no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean he's not he doesn't need it. He's just using it. No. It's a fan it's a fancy cane. It's not for walking. It's just for class. Not to go on another tangent, and I'm sorry. Uh, but when I rewatched this episode, something I found really funny is that Wally's dad is looking at a jug store. Yeah, look at Screech oh. right now. Oh, yeah! Oh, I, I never realized. Wow. Okay, that is a really cool detail because it's, it's like, wow. Like, it, it doesn't really contribute much, but it's it's just a fun, a fun little detail. Yeah, I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, I, I like this episode a little more now. Like, I, I already loved it, but I like it a lot more. <laughs> like, that's that's just a great detail. Wow. Like it's blinking, you miss it, but. And I like how once they once the planners see Wally, like Wally is just like, like he he doesn't react, but once he drops the cane, you know he's like horrified. <laughs> <laughs> Like his his two worlds are colliding <laughs> with the worst possible people <laughs> in a, in a good way. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe well, not. The, not, not, not a great entirely way. good. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, and then like Wally has to kind of cover it up as his servants from his travels, and I I don't want to talk about Wally's like. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about Wally yet, but yeah, just Wally's trying to cover things up and I like how Polly like, <laughs> tries to break his hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. Oh, that was really funny. Honestly, so, well, we're not getting into Wally yet, but yeah, I, I really like him in this um in this episode. Yeah, and then of course, we. I, I like how <laughs> I'm looking for the clip where Wally's dad is what does he say to Anne? Oh, and this must be some kind of exotic beast you tamed, and Anne's face is just Yeah, she's just fucking she's already done. So then yeah, the actually I need to look up Wally's dad's name. It's uh Wigbert. Wigbert Ribbington. Ribbiton. Wigbert. Wow. Voiced by Hugh I would, bon, Bonneville. I would this? not have guessed Wigbert. So yeah, Wigbert. Okay, I'm, I'm debating calling him Wally's dad again. Okay, no, actually no, I should respect the name. <laughs> Wigbert offers to uh, house the planners for the night and look after Bessie and get her reins fixed and of course since since this is a rich guy the planners and Anne like happily accept this offer which smart on them and then they get to the they get to the mansion and it's like it's huge and there's like peacocks like roaming the uh roaming the front yard or front I should say not it's not even a yard it's like a field <laughs> 
I'm not even sure like what I, I get the grounds, I believe. Right, that's what they what that's what you would describe it as, the grounds. Rich people have different they speak yeah, in a different rich language. People don't have front yards. Uh, must be nice. So yeah, they they enter like yeah, Wigbert also says, Oh, this is one of our smaller rooms and <laughs> it's like huge and with like a tapestry painting. Oh yeah, just 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 classic insanely fancy cartoon stuff. It's <laughs> like it, like like it's it's hard you, it's hard to mess with the best, you know? Yeah, I'm just like looking at the Yeah, and there's like yeah, I just love all these backgrounds because because I'm glad they took advantage of this being like a fancy town and just going all out. And like Amphibia's oh, back, you... yeah, Amphibia's background artists are already great. So, yeah, the, the artists did not <laughs> did not hold back on the backgrounds for this thing. It they they went all out in the best way possible. Oh, I, I know it's a little minor detail, but I, I know it shows up again later, so I, I'm going to hold off from mentioning it. But yeah, I just, I like, the guy in the photo reminds me of Sprig. Not photo, like the, like, guy, the guy in the painting, sorry. Uh, but th that's not the detail I was oh. referring to, but I'll, I'll come to that, come back to that later. Yeah, I think I have an idea of what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> so they hang out. The planners explore while Anne gets to have her episode with Wally again. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and then Wally is kind of talking about like how he's afraid to like tell his dad like what he really wants to do and what like he the free he wants that freedom, but he knows he can't have it in ribbit ribbit in Ribbitvale. And yeah, I, I like that. I like how Anne kind of Anne's trying to apply the the lesson she learned from him last time, like to him, like to back to him again. But like Wally isn't really like as hopeful or as like optimistic as he was like in Wally and Anne, or, or like not optimistic. Like Wally and Wally and Anne was like so kind of like free, and that's what was able. That was what. That's why he was able to like get to Anne so well, but like here Anne is trying to do that same thing with Wally, but because Wally like, because, like he said, like this is his home and stuff, so that like just complicates things. Like this complicates things to him in his mind, even though like Anne is now just like the, I guess the more carefree one in this episode. Yeah, it was pretty interesting to see that change. It's like. Wally and Anne really try to promote the idea of staying true to yourself, right? And just staying true to your values. Then, like, here in Swamp and Sensibility, like, I guess they're showing, like, the potential consequences of that. Like, really what, like, if you have the stage, if you're trying to stay true to yourself versus your own family, I mean, like, yeah, things are going to get a lot more complicated. So I thought, yeah, it's sort of like a sequel that tries, I want to say, like, I mean, because it's not that deep, but I think it's, it, it tries to go for something a little more complicated, which is nice. Oh, agreed. 
Yeah, I think like, it's also one of those things to where like I like that it kind of makes the lesson a bit stronger than the sense of like people you know won't accept you all the time for who you are. Sometimes you'll be punished for it. And at that point like for for I don't know, I just think that's really neat because it gives a reason why Wally isn't being himself here. It kind of gives you an idea of why people aren't don't express themselves in certain ways because in some places they're punished for that. And so it kind of makes the lesson a little stronger here. And not everyone will accept you for who you are all the time, even though the ending kind of eh, kind of doesn't work with that. But I mean, it also kind of does at the same time. But I think it just makes Wally and Anne's lesson just a lot stronger here, just in general. So, yeah. I think it really cements like that character dynamic in the best possible way. Yeah, exactly. Because giving us that that role reversal too allows Anne to show that she has learned that lesson, but there's a bit more to that lesson than she realizes. It makes that it makes her thought process stronger. It makes her have to learn a le- add a lesson to that lesson. There we go. Yeah, plus plus it's just like I don't mean this in like I'm probably saying I'm plus it's just kind of nice to see her fail in that way. Like it, it's because it's like um it's just yeah, I guess I just really like the idea that like while she has improved greatly, she still has like a lot to learn with like the things she already has learned, right? And yeah, sure she's learned that like yeah, being honest, being open, staying true to yourself is a good thing, but like right, there's like a time and a place for it. Like, like you don't reveal during dinner with your family. So yeah, it's it's just nice for Anne to like yeah, sure she's grown to like much better person, but she still has to figure that out. So I really did like seeing it in this episode. Yeah, and it's it's like not not everyone will accept you for who you are. And that's a very important thing too. Like, yeah, you could try to be yourself, but not every place or every person around you is going to allow you to do that. And some people won't like you for who you want to be, which I like how this episode kind of shows that dynamic a bit more Wally and his dad. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, those are all like really nice observations. Like, yeah, Wally and Anne in Wally and Anne, Anne had, Anne had the fresh start, and she didn't really have anyone. She, because she was in Amphibia, she wouldn't have any pushback. But then, since we're in like Wally's town, Wally's home, literally, like it's not. It's the same, yeah. It's the same moral, but like it's a different, completely different environment, and different conditions, I guess. Yeah, it, it's it's about the fear of it's about wanting to be yourself, but also being afraid that the people in your life won't accept you. Right. And maybe they won't. Yeah, and maybe they won't. So I I like that minor thing of, like, Wally keeping accordions stashed, like, everywhere. (laughs) That was a funny joke. Yeah, so, meanwhile, the planners are exploring... Well, they were exploring, and then now they're just lost in this mansion. Yeah, they're so funny. Yeah, they open up those, like, random doors. Like, we get... One thing is just, like, a bunch of, like, toads just in, like, in a sauna. Another one is just, like, that weird, like... A bunch of, like, masked people are just, like, beating up furniture and... (laughs) I, I, I won't lie, this is not really... I'm not going anywhere with this. Uh, but the toad in the sauna gave me mad spirited away vibes. 
Oh, it's. I think I know what scene you're talking. Like the the. Uh, yeah, 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 the sauna place in that hotel. Like when they first in when when the main character first like walks in, I think you get like a similar kind of. Yeah. Shot. I think I don't I don't have any any more analysis that I can take away from that. I just I got very spirited away vibes. And then there's also like the final room where it was like this final room was the <laughs> the peacock room, I guess. And there's that one <laughs> random guy with the with the costume just Ah God. Yeah, he was like <laughs> that was so weird. Like <laughs> Oh man. I just love the fact that, like, at that point, there were two burnouts to even be shocked. Like, they just sighed and walked away. <laughs> they're just so done with this point. And I love how it implies they're doing this for hours, too. Just trying to find, like, what? Like, a normal room to check out. Yeah. yeah as, as, as subplots go, it's, I mean, it's... It's kind of a lot of, like, nothing. But it's very fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't over, it doesn't outstay its welcome. Like I think it's only It's like less than a minute, like less than a minute. Or even like even less than half a minute. Which is nice. They don't want to take up too much time for the main plot. Yeah, it's about 30 seconds, which is nice. And then it cuts to Anne and Wally in the stables, and like this, like Wally's main motivation, or the main reason he doesn't want to be like rejected by his family, is because is because he doesn't want to lose his like his ladybug steed, Will Willoughby. Oh yeah, and I like how they they show like the cute photo of him, like younger Wally <laughs> with Willoughby, and then it shows like the present miserable version. <laughs> Man, that was hilarious. Sad by the way. Yeah, so then uh yeah, Wally just doesn't want to tell them. Okay, Wally kind of like suggests, oh, if they saw how happy he was in Warwood, maybe all this could work out, and then of course Anne has a great terrible idea as he's like as he's like leaving the stables for dinner and then and like is does Sprig talk him try to like convince Anne that's a bad idea yeah, I, yeah I, I think he does but like he she wins him over like five seconds pretty much like I think he's like Anne you're meddling and he's like this is like no I'm not and he's like okay <laughs> like he's oh yeah he's not yeah caring. It's, <laughs> It, it it's one of the it's one of the sillier sprig moments. Yeah, like Anne's like she says something like movies never lie, and because Sprig is always like before Anne does something stupid, Sprig is like, "And are you sure you want to do this?" And then Anne's like, "Sprig, you're eleven. Here's my reason why." And then Sprig's like, "Okay, have fun." Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a running joke, especially in season two. Yeah, <laughs> she just goes. He just goes whatever else she wants, pretty much. I mean, in fairness, he is eleven. <laughs> yeah, which I, I, I have like no problem with that because I feel like, yeah, I don't. Know, I feel like Spring just looks up to her so much, so it's like 
you know? Like anything anything she's down with doing, like he'll he'll go ahead and do it himself. Yeah, like Anne's the big sister, so it's like it's like she's the more experienced one. So if she says something that Sprig doesn't know too much about, he's just he's just gonna take her word on it. Yeah, and in the, the movie, the um, I saw in a movie once, and movies are never wrong. I love that line. I don't know why. Like, and it's a great line. Rick just Rick just goes okay, and then they just cut to the next. <laughs> the next scene, and and Sprig has probably it. watched only like whatever's on Anne's phone, so like maybe like five or six movies at most. I mean, it explains why he goes along with. I mean, for all he knows, that is how movies work. Yeah, so it cuts to the dinner. Well, not not the dinner of the episode, but just the dinner here. Yeah. <laughs> I just immediately got like flashbacks of the dinner. Wow. No, we're not there yet. We are we already passed that. We went Oh, there. that's right, we did, yeah. In, in terms of the podcast, but yeah, like Yeah, it's just real yeah. Even the food here reminds me of a reunion when Sasha showed off all the delicacies she had. At the tower. Yeah, I guess this is like considered to be gourmet food and amphibia. Like, I'm I'm just checking out the lineup right now. There's. It's what you'd expect, except with bug, like with bug themed stuff. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it is worms and like all the it's food like a... in there. Is that like? There's like this weird. I don't. Is that... what the hell? Is it like a chicken? Like is that like a chicken molded like a smaller chicken molded onto a bigger chick like what what is that? Yeah, I have no that idea. I, I know what you're looking at. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's weird, man. And and then like, and they, do like... Their, they do their like weird rich people like toast. I don't know what <laughs> what that was with like <laughs> with their teeth. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still trying to look at the food, but <laughs> I should probably not focus too much on it. But yeah, so after the rich people do their like toast, uh, Anne gets up and decides to. Oh, sorry. Like when when Anne's in the middle of like talking, like that one dude is like, "Oh, it talks" or something. Like <laughs> I forget. Like Anne is like. Like a creature in their world. <laughs> well, I I don't forget. Yeah. Like, I don't forget it. It's just like I like how other. I I like when other characters point it out, especially in these two <laughs> segments. Yeah, I was, I was about to say like these like, okay, well, the kind of the beginning of the show, um, kind of emphasized that a little bit. Um, and being well, obviously, and being new to the world, but her being like this weird, dangly creature or whatever. Um, but like these two segments specifically focused a lot on that. Obviously, we'll get to when we get to wax busy. Like, here it mentions it like, like a lot. They keep calling in this weird creature, Wally tamed, and like I don't know, I just find that funny. Like, now that I think about it, was this the second town they visited? On the road trip that that we saw, 
Because I think the first one was Ittyberg, and then most of it was just like scenery. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. It was just yeah, Ittyberg, then Ribbon Vale, then like I don't know if we got I don't know if we got the name of the location for um you know where Wax Museum takes place, but I, I mean it was it was another town. Yeah, and at least in both these segments, they they kind of addressed and being the freak. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, so Anne pretty much shows her uh, the video she edited of Wally and Wartwood, <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, it's just Wally doing Wally stuff and. <laughs> Like, it's all these clips, like... <laughs> I don't know, it was just funny, like, Wally sleeping with, like, the <laughs> chickens or whatever. Taking a bath in the fountain. <laughs> we, we know he yeah, has... Yeah, this is just embarrassing. Yeah, we, we know he has his own, like, bathtub, like, at his place. Like, he's just... Yeah, he's just... I, I just... <laughs> it's just funny. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know, like, what he gets out of his life in Mormon, but, like, at least he's happy. It's just... <laughs> Like, no. I think if if I if I was being cynical about it, it's like Wally's this rich kid who just gets to like LARP, yeah, in Wartwood. With literally, all you need to do is Wally the fucking I don't know, the fucking Squid Game, dude. He's literally he's LARPing as a poor person. Like, what's wrong? With him? <laughs> like, I, I I just imagine like his poor friends from Wartwood just. Talking to them about their financial troubles, and Wally's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, ah, I, oh, I so relate, dude. Like, <laughs> I just, I love Wally, but damn. <laughs> like, look at that, he's polluting their fountain. This is a, t- like, what the fuck? <laughs> Imagine that. Like, this rich I, kid showing up in your town, ruining your fountain. Like, I assume he's, like, paying for all of his stuff by, <laughs> but, like, with his, like, with his, with his family money, like, but I'm guessing, like, living in Wartwood compared to living in uh, Rivetvale, the housing prices are probably a lot cheaper. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he's just a rich kid on spring break for, like, half a year. Oh, I, I mean, like yeah, how those. That is... Oh, sorry. I mean, no, I I agree. That is exactly what he is. I mean, and like it makes it a bit awkward. Yeah, and from that perspective, it's like, okay, Wally, I'm I'm glad. It's like I'm glad you're happy, Wally, but you know. I, I guess when the when when the class war happens, I guess we'll spare you. Ah. <laughs> 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 oh. Well, well, I mean, we know he makes we know he makes money somehow because he pays his taxes. Like, I assume he just takes like his family money and just like yeah, that pay. Well, but if if he did that, then he wouldn't have like any income to tax. So we know he pays his tax. He's paying tax on something. So like, maybe it just has to do with family business somehow. Like honestly, I. I Oh wait, 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 this actually this actually plays okay. into like one theory slash observation I had in this episode for later. 
maybe, okay, I, maybe... I, I feel like I really know what you're thinking about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, uh, I forgot Wally's dad's name again. I'm going back to the wiki. Uh, Wig Wigbert. Yeah, Wigbert. Wigbert. Yeah. So Wigbert. Just like he, he's like not taking this well. He's like Wally's like, oh, I thought you'd ex-, like, like he pretty much like proves Wally's like worst fears of like this. If they found out, they would not accept him. And Wigbert literally says, "We do not accept you." That did. Yeah, that, that felt really bad. Yeah, like it was super funny, but that was so brutal. Yeah, yeah, and then of I course. Mean, at least... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Nick. I, mean, I was just gonna say, at least, at least they didn't kick him out. Like, at least he doesn't have to be been an actual like vagabond now. Like, at least, at least it still has like a roof over his head. Yeah, it's something. Yeah, so then Wally has had enough and he does that like intricate dance and does the uh like the family challenge and challenges his dad to a duel for his place in the family. And, and that 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 is like my favorite joke. It's the, the the part where Anne goes, what is that? And Pop Pop goes, family challenge, Anne. You've been here long enough. You should know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so funny to me, and I don't know why. I guess because it's like such a weird, like, the, the initiation is like such a weird thing. Like, even back in Spring vs. Hop Pop, like, Sprig just like ran up to like the some random bell and started like chanting. Yeah. <laughs> but man, I love how like I love the lore. Not I, I shouldn't call it lore, it's not like that insane, but it's just I I love the The lore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how this was set up in Sprig vs. Hop Hop and we came back again. It's so it's nice to see that these traditions are like isn't just like a planter thing. It's like a it's ingrained in their society. Yeah, plus it feels like it's sort of like it feels like a like a sort of meta joke in a way because I feel like it's also referring to the audience because it's like we've been yeah. watching him. Yeah, at this point it's been like what, like well over a season, so it's like <laughs> so it's like I mean we should have a pretty good guess of what's going on. <laughs> plus it's like plus it's sort of like. You're also questioning, wow, why did they put so much effort into that tiny scene of Wally dancing around and kicking a knife towards, like, whatever the heck that thing was? But, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just think it's, like, a, a like a weird little meta joke, when that just works. Because every time I see it, I just laugh. Oh, man, imagine boarding, imagine boarding that scene of Wally doing that dance. Like, I don't know if... Silver Paul or Lizzie Rocha did that, but like, credit to them. <laughs> Especially with the ribbon and stuff, like, that just makes things even more complicated. 
Yeah, so the family tool happened. The... Oh, sorry, in oh. fact, go ahead. I just wanted to say that I again I love that um that they brought it back in the first place. I think one of the things they did they didn't really have to uh to bring back a lot of these like well I mean yeah, like season one, you know. They didn't have to bring back a lot of these aspects from season one to two. It could have just kind of kept them in there and you really wouldn't have cared that much. Um, but now with season two, it shows that we're paying a lot more attention to continuity and stuff as well um, to a point where we can bring stuff like the family challenge back. Like, why not? You know, yeah. from the previous why, why episode. Why not bring it back? Yeah, I think that, again, it's just really nice that they took that time to like bring that back when they didn't have to. They could have just ignored it. It could have just made it a regular thing or not even reminded you that that was a thing before with the hot pop line and and they make it a joke too so it works like very well for both of those things reminding the audience and making fun of it at the same time so i think that's great yeah definitely so yeah the the challenge is basically wally doesn't want to be wally is fighting to get out of the ribbit the ribbiton family and uh yeah, he can li leave Ribbitvale, live however he likes. But if he loses, he takes over the family business and stays in Ribbitvale forever. And I mean to to Wally, I'm sure this is like a devastating a devastating like this is like a high risk challenge. But I mean from from our point of view, it's like either he gets to do whatever he wants, or he stays in town as a as a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> a horror. Uh, yeah. So they they they're playing a game of Beast Polo. So yeah, it's basically Polo, but Beast Polo. Or I I don't know the rules for Polo, so I have no idea if that's how you play it. Neither do I, because. We don't play rich people sports. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, they're riding horses. There has to be. There has to be a high cost of entry. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So they like Wally's kind of upset that Anne kind of started all of this, and he doesn't want her to like. He doesn't want her to do any more meddling. He'll have to figure it out on his own. And yeah, it cuts to like the, the playing field and we get to see Kermit the Frog. Uh, Kermit the Frog's character as a Crumpet. And you know, it's it's I think in the Big City Greens we got Fozzie Bear as like the dentist, and I, I like the Muppets making appearances on these Disney Channel shows. and I know a lot of people... Not a lot of people. I know uh, Matt Vogel, the... I shouldn't... Not Kermit's voice actor. Kermit's handler isn't, like, the most beloved uh, handler of Kermit the Frog. But, you know, I, th I thought he was fine here. Oh, I also like the little detail of... Uh, Polly's actually wearing. Uh, she's actually wearing Wally's hat. <laughs> I just thought it looked cute on her. 
Oh, I didn't even notice that. And I guess I can talk about it now. Um, when it cuts to like the playing field, you can see like it's like a big giant farm of boom shrooms. And my theory is is that the reason the Ribbitons the, the Ribbitons wealth doesn't just come from their uh, they're from their <laughs> floss. Their foot floss. It comes from their like from their weapon their their weapons manufacturer. <laughs> oh yeah, they're they're arms dealers. Yeah, like I mean, it explains why Wally just walks around with boom shrooms, like pretty much like, explains why he had so much reunion. It does. It does yeah. Uh, I mean I just assumed he was a crazy person when I first watched that. <laughs> I, mean, I bet he still is. Like, I bet mean, honestly, he probably still is with the kind of life he tries to live. Yeah, and even in the uh, the tapestry, that giant poster in the planners' guest room, like in the guest room for the planners, like there was like a little boom shroom there too. So it's like, to me, it's yeah. like it seems like their generational wealth has been built on. They're they're like the Rockefeller family. It's like because I think their fortune was built on. Creating dynamite, right? Was it really? I I, I have. I'll be. I I do not know how the Rockefellers made their wealth. So, do not ask me. I wasn't it. I thought it was oil. Am I bugging? I feel like the Rockefellers like did it by oil, right? It wasn't. I'm, I didn't. I, I don't remember. Dynamite. Oh, you're right. You're it right. Was, it's kerosene and gasoline. Like, who am I thinking about for yeah, dynamite? Yeah, it, it was. It was the Nobel family. That uh, that did dynamite. Okay, my oh, bad. Oh. <laughs> Which is why they did the Nobel Pre- Peace Prize because they didn't want to be remembered for, you know, the dynamite part. That sounds really ironic. Like the Nobel yeah. Peace Prize for creating dynamite. Yeah. Well, that was why they did it. Uh, okay, tangent. I believe the le- as the legend goes. Someone who wasn't like the head of the family, but like had the last name Nobel died, and the papers like did like, ran like a big story, like the merchant of death is dead, and no, and the as I don't know if this this I think this might just be made up, but a, according to the legend, that's what got him to start the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, yeah, that kind of that would kind of make sense for like a rich person's like perspective. Like, they don't need to worry about anything other than their status and legacy. So it's yeah, checks out. Makes me think uh, the Ribbitons may be a bigger part of the rebellion or something. They got a whole like boom like manufacturer. Like that could be crazy. I'm I'm excited to see you. I hope we see some of these towns uh, during the return to Amphibia and like what's been going on. Oh yeah, this I won't go too much into a tangent, but Wartwood Resistance Rebellion is gonna be the hypest thing. <laughs> it, oh, it, it totally will. It hands down. Yeah. I mean, I'm There's also so gonna, much you can do. I'm also gonna go off topic, like. Way back in uh, the Reddit Q and A, Matt mentioned we'd see Swamp Shiro, but we, we still haven't seen it yet. So I'm hoping it's going to happen. But... Oh yeah, 
Isn't that one of the towns in the valley? I forget. Yeah, that. it was. Oh. Like, it was like back in Reunion, like Sasha showed like the four other towns or three other towns on that like map, and Swampshire was one of them. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I mean, I hope that's a thing. More towns, but yeah. Uh, I just want to see re- rebel frogs wearing cute little rebel hats. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah. So I- I'm trying to see. Yeah, Crumpet makes some kind of like frog joke, and no one laughs. I think. And like Hop Hop just yeah, makes a little like, oh, this guy's quite the character. <laughs> that was that was a funny bit. I don't know why. That that got a that got a a, a chuckle out of me. And and since Crumpet is like designed to look a lot like Kermit, I'm guessing like this was planned very early on. And even for the like promotion of the series itself, they had Kermit. Yeah, they had like yeah, a little, little thing of Kermit, right? Yeah, so maybe they were working on season two at the time, or maybe it was just like for an ad, and then maybe Matt probably thought, okay, if we're getting a second season, we're definitely getting Kermit back, and <laughs> and yeah, Kermit, this is yeah, Kermit didn't ad for Amphibia, like promoting Amphibia, and then. For the D23 Expo in 2019, like Kermit was the moderator of the panel. So, I'm, yeah, I'm glad Kermit played a big... I, I'm glad Kermit was involved with this show. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's made, it made perfect sense. Like, I'll try to come back for the rebellion. I, I don't think he will. <laughs> yeah, I want I, it. I, I do want it. Not. Trust me. But... <laughs> it Lead, leading the charge. <laughs> I do remember when Kermit was first. Uh, when we first found out Kermit was going to be a, like a guest star, like some of us were speculating, like there was like a fake leak where it said like there was some kind of connection between. Crumpet and Anne getting home, but it it, it feels like in hindsight like it feels like in hindsight what? the uh maybe like whoever like posted this, whatever it seems like it was just blending in Wax Museum and his role in this segment together. Yeah, okay. I, I did not hear about this. Yeah, maybe like, this, it, yeah, this is first for me too. Maybe it wasn't a leak. Maybe someone was just like passing around like fake info. Like was I could like a Reddit post or something. It wasn't like, like a Reddit. I remember seeing it in the Discord server like there was some kind of it was something like oh Anne discovers a friend and something that could lead her back home. Like she sees something she recognized from her home. Guest starring Kermit the Frog is Crumpet. So maybe people kind of. Maybe I was just looking at a theory. Maybe maybe that was what maybe that's what I'm confusing it with. I, I do know like my personal I personally wanted Kermit to voice Frobo back when we, <laughs> just because oh I thought God. like okay wow. like Kermit's a frog, make him voice like the wow. the non the only make him voice a frog character that's not a frog. <laughs> I kind of would have loved that. I'm not yeah. 
<laughs> that was that pretty crazy. funny. <laughs> but yeah, just like they start off the game and Wilbert has like the playing ball, like the polo ball, like in his eye. He just like lifts up his lifts up his monocle. Yeah, that and... was so. What was that? It was disgusting. That was so weird. Yeah. So Wally can't choose. Uh, I was gonna say Bayleaf. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Wally can't. <laughs> sort of Pokemon in my brain. Uh, Wally can't choose Fiddle Leaf because. It's a Ribbiton family beast, and that's when Anne comes in to the rescue as she offers herself to be Wally's steed. And I kind of love how, like, Wally was, like, the first character we saw in Amphibia, and he's talking about Anne being this kind of beast, and now, like, he's now he gets to, like, ride Anne into battle, or not into battle, into this game, and she's being his beast for this episode. I just thought that was... Super like interesting on in retrospect. Oh yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent. So yeah, they play beast polo, and there's not much to talk about this like this game other than for like the final goal, uh. Like, Wally just pulls out an accordion out of Anne's hair. <laughs> I like okay, how... That was funny. Yeah, I like how yeah. Anne's hair is, like... I, I haven't watched Steven Universe, but that lion character, like, like storing everything in, in the hair, I, I just oh, thought yeah. it was funny. And he said it was for, like, a season at least, right? Like, for, for like, a season at least, right? Yeah, oh, that was yeah. a fun little meta joke. I can never tell that. I mean, I, it is a meta joke, but like, there's also a sense of like, it also works well with the with the story itself because it's been a, like a season since getting out of Wartwood and stuff. Oh yeah, so it kind of works in in both ends there. So yeah, yeah, I like how Amphibia's yeah. Amphibia does meta humor, but for some of their meta jokes at least they try to like make it like fit into like into the universe if that makes sense it no i think it totally makes sense and i i do like that about it it's not like it makes meta jokes but it's not over the top in your face about it even though it really could be yeah, and I do think sometimes they do like they do have like more meta jokes. I just like it when they keep them a little more like down to earth or down into this in this universe, I guess. Yeah, and it, and it makes it so then too like it's just like a joke, but it also works so well with the characters themselves too. Like, I think like one of the best meta jokes is actually like I think it's like. Season three, I it's like fixing Frobo. It's the Star Wars joke where like um Yeah, I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, yeah. That one yeah, was, was that. so funny. Like it works so well with the characters too of Anne like not being not liking the prequel because she has more she's watched all the movies, but 
the planters wouldn't because they're new to Earth. So not only does it work in a meta sense too, but it also works with the characters. And Phoebe always does such a good do- job with that with its humor. It's great. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think my favorite one is still when they were um, yeah, leave, leaving the movie theater after Mr. X, right? And like Anne's like, oh yeah, I thought the I thought the movie was really nice. The protagonist had a lot of flaws that she was able to overcome. <laughs> like I know that's that one's really on the nose, but I I, I do feel like Amphibia deserves like to like you know. Like, yeah, they, they deserve to get off. to yeah. pat themselves on the back yeah. a little bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so they score the final goal. Anne and Wally win, and Wilbert kind of expects Wally to leave, but Wally still wants, like, he still wants to be part of the family. He just wanted to be accepted, and we get, like, that nice... We we get that nice, like, reconciliation, and... Yeah, I, I know, like, it kind of seems like maybe... Wilbert kind of accepted Wally a little too quickly, but I guess the advantage of these planter, not planter, these like family challenges, it's like they have to abide by the deal. And yeah, it's it's very honest at, at least. I would have uh, preferred maybe if they ended it off with kind of being a bit more like. Not bittersweet, but in the sense of like Wally's dad is like isn't accepting of him like fully, fully. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like he'll try, but it's gonna take a bit of time kind of situation with it. I don't know. I think that would have been a better progression. So I think Wally's dad kind of comes from like, no, no, you can't be like this. This is terrible to oh yeah, I'm all for it, dude. Keep doing what you're doing. It's it's a bit too quick. It's not like a big deal. So I think it's, this episode's still great. But it's one of those blemishes, I think, that like they could have used, like not jumped from like zero to 100 so quick with them. Yeah, seriously, man. I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a very clean ending for the complicated setup they had before, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, especially Yeah, how like Wilberg like Wilbert like completely like shut down Wally early in this episode. Oh, I like how there was also like that there was also that big explosive finish with the with the boom shroom and I mean I, I don't know how much that family lost I don't know how much I don't know how much that giant boom shroom was worth i assume it'd be quite a bit i would i would have to imagine but since this is but because this is on the field i'm guessing this is just there they can burn through as many boom shrooms as they as they please i don't know <laughs> but yeah the episode ends with a the jug store the jug store, like I guess, hint, background detail comes back to play, and we we see that Will Wilbert, he like also has like his own little like instrument he likes to play, and kind of covers up throughout the house, and after Wally, 
after this experience with Wally, he's comfortable like showing it off to the public now. Yeah. Like father, like son. I like Wally gives that little like smug look. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty funny. You yeah. just imagine how Wally will feel if they learn the truth about Wally. Like <laughs> it is it, it like a super poor town, and you have this rich guy LARPing. Oh my, I'm sorry. Man. Yeah, and the episode ends with them like about to play a song, and for that we see that like. <laughs> Like the uh, the segment just ends with that like giant Such a bizarre moment. Yeah, that's and I, didn't and I know see that they've they've done that a lot, haven't they? Like like just having this random I don't know, just just, just having this random jump scare right at the end of an episode. Like that's what they did in um, New Warwood, right? Where like that one um, Toadstool costume turned out just to be a bunch of bugs and it scared everyone away. Like here here they did it again, <laughs> like something similar. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice this on my first watch, but like my second one, I saw the the guy in the pigeon, not pigeon, in the peacock outfit, like just watching through the window. Yeah, that was so creepy. Yeah, when I noticed. Yeah, that that's just oh, like it it it's I just didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's just sometimes. That. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh no, I was I wasn't saying anything. I just said I never noticed yeah. that before. Yeah. It, it, sometimes this show just goes <laughs> places. Yeah, I think we covered all of Swap and Sensibility. Uh, I guess PC, any final thoughts? Um... I would say I, I do love this episode. I've, I've sung its praises more than enough. I do kind of feel like it. the ending is a little weak. That's fair. Yeah. Like, it, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all of it, but it definitely kind of, I don't, I don't know. The, I, I, I just, the ending definitely felt like the the most kids show part of it. Right. Yeah, it felt a little clean, but that, that's yeah. Yeah, and that's that's fine. That's fine. It it was just It is it was what it was, you know. Right. Uh I- impact what were your thoughts? Any any final thoughts, I guess on Swamp Sensibility? Um I guess my my final thought are kind of the same as they were at the beginning. I love this episode. It's a really fun reversal. Um, I think, you know, the more I think, there's a lot of, like, background details you guys mentioned I never even noticed, to be honest. So that was really cool to figure out. Um, and, yeah, I love this episode. I love that it's a role reversal of, of Wally and Anne. That's really fun. And, yeah, this episode's great. All right, thank you, Impact. Nick, final thoughts? Um, that was a really great episode. I'm like, I, I keep forgetting how much I enjoy Wally Nance's dynamic. And like, it's episodes like these that just refresh my mind, like just how great it is. And yeah, I, I, I don't know like how much of a chance there is for another episode between these two, but like, I, I kind of hope there is one, two, three. 
All right, thank you, Nick. So yeah, I think we'll, we'll go into Wax Museum. So the episode was written by Geneva Mai, storyboards by Nat Marr and Drew Applegate, and directed by Jen Strickland. So the players come to a new town. Anne's, uh, Anne uses her oddness or her status as a beast in this world to get some money as a freak. That's when she learns about this oddities museum or the curiosity hut as it's called and she meets a curate like they the planners and Anne meet the curator of this shop and it's he's collected all these weird artifacts around amphibia all the weird stuff and then Anne notices there's a skip man something from earth and he's not going to sell it until Anne decides to reveal herself as the as the freak she is and, and uh he they make a deal where they make a deal to come back later tonight and sort out the details of Anne being like his attraction for the day the planners are totally against this idea but Anne decides to do this while they're asleep she heads back and Eventually we find out that eventually we find out that like the curator plans on encasing her in wax like the other exhibits. And uh yeah, eventually like the planners come to her rescue, they defeat they defeat the curator and they they free all the other creatures that were in wax and that's how they get rid of the curator and the episode ends with Anne kind of learning that that she shouldn't have gone in alone and the her and the planners work together better as a team and but but luckily they, they were able to grab the skip man too and the episode ends with them all like looking forward to the like to looking forward to the rest of their journey to Newtopia. And that was Wax Museum. And as you could as you could tell by that like quick recap, I avoided every Grouty Falls reference I could have made. Howard. <laughs> no, because like I, I tried I tried to I tried to look at this episode as like an amphibia episode first and then a Gravity Falls homage second. And I think that's how you should look at this episode, like when you go into it. I mean, I I, I get that, but also that's so hard considering what this episode has in store. Oh, for sure, and I I think it's all I I think this was like a terrific episode, like not only as like a Gravity Falls homage on its own, but like I thought I thought I really liked how crew like how vital they. Skipman on its own gave us like a lot of speculation for months, and I think that's that that's yeah, true to Gravity yeah. Falls. Uh, well, the, the threads. That, I, I, I sorry. Yeah, I, I, 
Sorry, I'm sorry. No, I, I think I think I've said enough for now. I guess starting with starting with Nick, what, what were your thoughts on Wax Museum? I mean, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not like I'm gonna be honest. I'm not the biggest fan of this episode. Like, I I, I know it's really beloved because it brought like you know you know the beloved franchise that is Gravity Falls <laughs> and gave it a crossover for Fifty Like. I don't know, just a crossover episode, I just felt kind of bored by it. First watch, bored by it. I tried to check it out again, just bored by it. And again, bored by it. It's just... I guess just for me, this was the way they were going to have Gravity Falls and Phoebe cross over. Like, this just feels like such... It, it, it just feels like the... One of the least interesting ways they could have done it. I mean, like, they wow. basically take... I, I hate to be mean, I hate to be mean, but it's like... I don't know, I just feel like if this is how they're going to cross over Gravity Falls, they just... They, I mean, but I don't know, it's just... They give us a flanderized version of Grunkle Stan, and then they just show off some... I mean, I guess they have Frog Seuss, and they just show off, like, some nice little homage... I don't know if you even call it a homage, like a nice little... Nice little Easter eggs, I guess, to some creatures that we encounter in Gravity Falls, but it's just... I don't know. I I just wasn't interested in it. Like it, it was just the curator. Like his interactions with Van. I I guess when he wasn't acting like a crazy villain, it was kind of interesting to see these two talk. But like, yeah, most of the time I was just like, yeah, this is this is how I don't know. This is <laughs> I don't want to like just I don't want to like toss away just call it mid. But like, yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't that entertained by this episode at all. All right, thank you, Nick. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason why I asked Nick to go first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll let you guys sit. You can sing the praises for this episode after you. Got it. Got it. So, impact. What, what were your thoughts on this on this segment? So, like, this is really interesting because when I was watching this on Disney Plus, my first watch, Drew, I had no clue this was gonna be a Gravity Falls like episode at all so when watching it i'm like wait that kind of looks like the mystery shack that's nah there's there's no way they're not gonna and then as i saw more and more like oh they totally are dude that's crazy so like because i love gravity falls a great show and it's like i really like this episode i have a lot of fun with it probably because i'm a big gravity falls fan so like i'm gonna be a little bit more forgiving but this episode was fun i liked Anne in this episode the curator was great too. Um, the nods to, to Gravity Falls was really fun. Um, I really liked this episode. It's just really fun to come back to. And it was such a great surprise when I was uh, first watching the show. So, yeah, I think this episode's fantastic. I love it. All right. Thank you, Impact. PC, what were your thoughts on Wax Museum? I mean, for all, all the memeing I've been doing leading up to this podcast, I. I enjoyed it. Uh, probably, I think partially because uh, I was not expecting it to like be a proper crossover. It like is a crossover episode, but it's n not a crossover episode. If that makes sense, like it's not the actual characters interacting with each other. Uh, it's it's it's. I don't know how to properly describe it. I was not expecting to see the actual Grunkle Stan in frog form. I was expecting to just see 
the frog version of Grunkle Stan, which sounds like it's splitting hairs and admittedly is is splitting I know I'm splitting hairs, but it it, it did not bother me that Grunkle Stan was I guess different than how we remembered him. As for the episode itself, I'm mixed on it personally. I, I, I did enjoy it. But the thing is, and this is this is why it's so hard to talk about this episode, is that would I have to think to myself, would I be enjoying this episode as much if it wasn't a big Gravity Falls homage? And the thing is, I, I don't know, because it's so hard to separate this episode from its Gravity Falls-ness. But like I, I, I need I, when I think about this episode, I have to think to myself: if there was no Grunkle Stan, if it was just a frog running a weird museum with no references, would I enjoy this episode as much? And I think the answer to that is probably not as much. So while I enjoyed the episode, I, I do see the flaws with it. All right. Thank you, PC. So, yeah, plus, I guess... I'll, talk. <laughs> we, I'll, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. We can, I was going to just start talking about the, the beginning of the segment, where there's the least amount of Gravity Falls references. <laughs> and it's basically... Yeah, that's fair. And I, I like how Hop Hop brings up the fact that they're broke. And also, this town is called Stony Gulch, and uh, yeah, at least this time it was a mess of and like last time, Jesus Christ, laughed in her face because she thought they were in real trouble. Remember that song? Wait, wait, what? Repeat that? What? Like, uh, what was the episode called? Like Hunter Ann, like right? Like, or it was Ann Hunter? Um, but you saw that one little scene. Yeah, that one little scene where like. How about basically tells them that they're going to starve because they have no food, and then when she panics, he just laughs in her face. Oh. They just go on to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, at least this time he didn't trick her. Yeah, they're... yeah, that's true. Like they they can't hunt for money in this case. But then, uh... I like how, uh, yeah, the the window shop shopping joke and. I, I like how Hop Up has an IOU and a a driver's license in his wallet. <laughs> I saw like the picture like it's so it's so quick, but I just love Hop Up's expression in that. He <laughs> looks so dumb. <laughs> I mean that's relatable too <laughs> with a bat license <laughs> yeah, photo. Is, yeah. But yeah, and takes off her hoodie because she was probably trying to keep a low profile and I mean this is this is me this probably wasn't intentional it, it was probably made just for the setup of the episode but I would I would imagine I would headcanon it as after hearing all those like insults in Ribbit Vale and just kept the hoodie up to avoid all that <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it does explain why it was never a problem before. Like, yeah, I, I just thought it was like a really kind of a weird way to open up the episode. Just the idea that suddenly she has to like hide herself away from people when she's just been exposing herself to whoever she came across before. Like, but 
I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just not gonna think out. I'll just use what you just said though. Yeah, it was definitely done just for like the the reveal later on in this segment. But yeah, that was just me rationalizing in. I like how Anne does like her weird I like how when once she like does the the nose thing and gets some money, Anne, Anne looks back at the planners and Polly's just yells milk it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Polly's great uh, in in this episode too. Yeah, I, I loved all her moments in this in this segment. And uh, yeah, they start throwing money at her, and that's when the towns the the townsfolk here mention the the oddities museum or something. And then Anne tries to make like a joke about like weird stuff in amphibia, but like of course like that joke doesn't land with this crowd and. I like the joke where she says to stick to like physical comedy. Yeah, that's a good bit. Yeah, so it's like around the evening time it implies that they spent the whole day and spent the whole day like collecting collecting money doing this act. And uh they decide how to spend it and Hop Hop kind of warns Anne about like drawing too too much attention to herself and yeah we already talked about it earlier it's kind of odd that Anne has to suddenly hide herself now but that's just something we had to accept so they they come to the curiosity hut and like Hop Hop lets Anne spend the money the way she wants it because since she earned it and and I really like how the moment you walk in, like the moment Anne steps foot into the Curiosity Hut, uh, big props to TJ Hill for recreating like that the Mystery Shack like theme. Like I, I could like I, I played it back earlier today, like with the Gravity Falls, like with the first episode, and it's the same like it's it's the same music except like slightly altered for the for this episode. That's like such a like a nice like minor detail. Yeah, I I, I think um I'll be honest, I I did not realize that, but I'm not surprised um the music in uh the music in this show is cons- Consistently top notch, and I'm really glad they were able to fit that in. Yeah, I just love the fact that they used TJ Hill a lot more for the second season because I know I'm like she's the one who's like really, 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 really underutilized. Oh, a ton of bangers for season two and season three. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I just like it. Just it's like a small detail, but it just really like. It really sets the like the feeling that like this is like the, where the crossovers hap not crossover the homage is happening, and uh, yeah, we get that view of like Bill on the carpet and all these attractions hung up, and it's a really creepy like it's a really creepy but interesting like interior, and of course the planners are kind of freaked out by it. And they're like, I love how like terrified they are, and Anne's just making fun of them along the way. 
And then I, I like how when they encounter uh, the curator, like they call him like a hot, like she calls him a hot mess, and he's just like, I, I just love like, yeah, the curator is Mister Pons, voiced by Alex Hirsch, and he has the Grunkle Stan outfit, and yeah, oh yeah, it's, I mean yeah. there is there there is there is no question what is going on here. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, he explains some of the attractions, and, and then this is when we discovered the Skip Man, like, oh, yeah, yeah, so I remember, like, we, I think we, except for Impact, I, I know, like, PC and Nick, like, we remembered, like, all the wild, mm-hmm. Wild speculation. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I think few things have inspired as much rampant kind of baseless speculation as the skit, man. Like, I, I just remember once when I tried to connect it to, like, that one... It, it, it's it's being kind of, like, off-topic and weird, but, like, I know in the shut-in, like, in the first story, there, there was that cutie guy trapped um... By that creature, I think they said about like thirty or forty years ago. And I try to like connect that to the skip man because, like, I think apparently it came out in the seventies. So I was trying to think, like, okay, okay, like this show takes place in the twenty ten, so forty years ago, places in the seventies. But it's just, yeah, yeah, those are the type of theories that this whole subplot of the skip man created, pretty much. Like, and this is the fact that like the show never doesn't bring it up for like pretty much a whole last season, right? Like yeah, yeah. this show just completely completely ignores it for a whole season. I mean, all these theories just for the show to like. Also, yeah, it, it, I think this. I think the. I think like uh, the reveal is satisfying, but it's just it's just funny that it was so simple compared to all the crazy stuff we came up with. Yeah, we there were there was just countless theories ranging from like. Maybe Anne's parents got trapped in amphibia. To um, <laughs> I remember that one. That was a real one. That one was nuts. But uh, ranging all the way to like, God, I don't even remember. Uh, like this, there was this isn't the first time like a trio of people were teleported to amphibia. Yeah. Exactly. And then also, like, people try tying this back to Marcy, but then, like, as the season went on, it never, like, it was never brought up, so we were thinking, like, okay, I guess (laughs) if it's not hers, then what's going on? Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. I could see why you would make that connection, though, with the the curator finds it in Utopia, which we still kind of don't yeah, I mean, we know where it came from now, but, like, why specifically was it in Newtopia, though? That's the only thing that I didn't really get. I guess it's because it Marcy teleported to Newtopia, but just, I don't yeah, know how it, that it worked. Just, it, it, it was just sucked through a random portal that happened to be in Newtopia. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I, I always, I, I think, like, for I think me, it, like, be a little bigger than that. I don't know, like, Kind of felt like the the skip man. Like when I first watched the episode, I swore down that was going to be like the big, not the biggest, craziest thing. 
But I don't know. I thought it'd be like a little bigger than what we got. Like it's okay. Like it is important. Like obviously. Like the skit man is like, oh, like it kind of connects to how we're gonna get back to Amphibia. Okay, cool. But I don't know. You kind of could have made the skit man literally anything. Like <laughs> you really <laughs> wanted to. Like you could you could have made it like okay, well, not a bag of chips, but something like that was like relatively small and you would have like, it didn't need to be the skit man. I mean, I guess, I, I guess my counter to that is why not the skit man? Well, okay. like, okay. like, yeah, it could be anything. So why not this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't have a counter to that. I just, I don't know. I just thought like the object itself would have been more important. But it's more about, like, where the object came from, and, like, that's really it. I don't know. I thought there'd be something a bit more to it. I'm not mad about it. I'm just, like, I I kind of felt, like, the same way how I felt about After the Rain, when Hop Hop, like, didn't really know anything about the box. I swore down it was going to be something more to that when I was first watching the show. But then it wasn't. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess. All right. So, yeah. All right. Well, that is a discussion for another day. <laughs> but, yeah, I, can, I guess I can, I can sense I can sense thumbs anger rising. <laughs> nah, that's nah, not anger. It's it's yeah, righteous fury. But <laughs> uh, no, I I guess nah. the skit man. I th- I think the rampant speculation for the skit man, and then the resolution we got, I think is very much in the. In the spirit of the show? In the spirit of Amphibia and Gravity Falls. <laughs> of, like... Le- yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, because that's... I don't know. I just felt really satisfied. I mean, plus... I mean, it's not like... It's not like... The, I mean, it's connected to Dr. Frakes, and obviously that's going to lead to something huge. Like, that's going to be their way of getting back to Amphibia. So, like... You know, I, I think it's going to end up leading to something pretty big. Even so, like... It's... Wow, yeah, it, it it was never actually brought up after this episode again. Like they never explicitly said it. They just showed us who's who's the owner of it, pretty much. Like, <laughs> like it, it was like a one and done thing with this episode. It's Wait, an I, I was, I, technically oh, like if you want to go about it, it's it's technically still not mentioned. Yeah, you see it in like if you give a frog a cookie, but they yeah. never say the skit man like ever again. <laughs> I well, think anyway, unless someone like can fact check me on that. I don't remember them mentioning it ever again after that point. I mean, it's if we're shown... talking about from a... Sorry, continue. No, that's it. That's all I have to say. I mean, if we're talking about it from a pure narrative standpoint, the skip man exists to establish that interdimensional travel outside of the girls is possible between the worlds in season two. Right, that's and true. then we eventually yeah. find out that it's like to like a lesser extent, and these were just like yeah. leaks that like pulled stuff in, and even but, like in... oh, go ahead, PC. Well, no, but one thing that I think I mean, there was a lot of rampant speculation, yeah, and most of it was complete bogus. I came up with so many dumb theories, but <laughs> one thing that all of the theories kind of revolved around was the idea that prior travel to and from Amphibia outside of the girls in the Calamity Box was possible. To the point that 
when we got to if you give a frog a cookie and we learned about the um about the actual origin of the um we learned about the actual origin of the of the skit man we didn't even question that frakes had made an interdimensional portal like the show primed us to speculate on this to the point where like imagine like if you think about it out loud the idea of just a scientist coming up with interdimensional travel sounds kind of contrived you know like oh if only there was a way to travel the dimensions oh look this crazy scientist unrelated to anybody figured it out like on the surface that's let's contrived but because we were so primed to speculate on interdimensional travel outside of the girls, we weren't even that surprised when we learned about Dr. Frakes. Right. And I think, I think that's what Amphibia does so well. I think this, this kind of reminds me of the case with Frobo in terms of like, it's not the reveal that's important. It's like what they're, what they were meant to establish to help like, advance the show later on down the line and like and and be that bridge yeah. for us that like j- just to make it more well, like palpable if i'm using that word right palatable yeah palatable. like like imagine true colors and the reveal that there are automated robot factories if we didn't have frobo or even for in the road yeah yeah or just for in the road like there's yeah. a lot of stuff in season two, like the Skit Man, like Frobo, that are generally considered a lot of people consider them kind of a waste of potential because they didn't really go as far as they could have. And on one hand, I get that, but on the other hand, well, like what Thumb said, it primed us and it was it made us it palatable for these giant revelations to the point where we we don't even question it. Exactly. Yeah, I think. Uh, I, I think uh, one thing that does pass. help. Oh, I was gonna say, I, I think the one thing that does help it too with the skip man in general when we get that reveal is that it still is connected to the calamity box in some way. The shockwave mm-hmm. from the from the box allows a portal to actually open. I think that also made me believe it a lot more. Like, oh, okay, they they didn't really like Doctor Frank's didn't just just do it just because it's connected to some point in the story that we already know from the box yeah. itself. So it kind of gave me like, oh, okay, that makes sense. It didn't just come out of nowhere. It's still connected to the main plot in some way, shape, or form. So I think that's what made me believe it a lot more at the time. So, yeah. Yeah, that's too, for sure. It, it's not not just one thing. They They do a lot to make their twists kind of believable. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree with you guys and look at Dr. Frank's stuff. Like, I mean, you guys already know my attitude on Frobo. It's just, I don't know, because I feel like with Frobo, I mean, like, weren't there already, like, several other things that would have made us sort of believe in the idea of this huge technological side of the amphibia? I mean, we have the core um, revealed in the first temple, then, like, do we even need a sap? I mean, honestly, I, I think having, I think including Frobo in the show is still, like uh, still like a good decision for Polly, but, like, I don't know. I mean, like, we have the Frobo factories, and we have that giant supercomputer that showed that showed us this 
crazy side of the amphibia. So, like, I, I completely believe the doctor breaks stuff, but I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm just not, like, fully convinced I'm Frobo yet. Ah, well, you see, Nick, the reason why Frobo exists is to prime us for the fact that Frobos have souls oh, and will therefore rebel against Andreas okay. in the finale. I, I, okay. PC, you're I acting like more. this you're acting like more. that theory yeah. is fringe, even though that. we all kind of like agreed what? with you at the time. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, know. I, I just I, I, I like to be the crazy theorist. But yeah, I I will admit Frobo in season two did feel underused, but this is we're on a full tangent. Yeah. Now. I was about to I was about to <laughs> yeah, but, Oh yeah. We totally yeah, well, actually, uh, but yeah. yeah, I like I liked I liked the how the skip man was set up in this segment and Yeah. Yeah, so Anne yeah. agrees to uh to the curator's proposal and we get that quick scene with uh with Frog Seuss talking about uh <laughs> alternate realities with their with like with their similar self and that's you know that's that meta humor, and it, it's one it's it's that joke that makes me kind of like I can't really remove Gravity Falls out this episode. It's just impossible. Like I, it's like you literally have a character named Frog Seuss, dude. Like you can't. Like, it's a little on the nose. Yeah, like I, it's hard for me to critique this episode of being like, well, like. If you didn't care about Gravity Falls and you won't like it, well, I mean, that I think... might be true. I don't know. It's hard for me to remove its influence in this episode and not critique it with that in mind. You yeah, know what yeah, I the, mean? I, I agree 100%. The, the best way to critique this episode would be to find someone who didn't know what Gravity Falls is and like have them watch all of Amphibia. To like get their feelings on this episode, because like, I, as much as I want <laughs> I to, I can't. <laughs> I can't separate Gravity Falls from it. It's so entwined. Yeah. Like, are these jokes funny if you haven't watched Gravity Falls? Yeah, we 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 gotta find the fandom needs to find someone just to like yeah. just to like like someone's been a. <laughs> to test this hypothesis. Like, no, maybe like an Avatar fan has been in a coma since the show. Yeah. <laughs> to all to all of to 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 all of our listeners out there, find the one person who hasn't watched Gravity Falls. Yeah, so Anne tells the planners about the deal she made. The planners are all kind of like uh the, the planners don't agree with this decision, and then of course, and and does that smug face and sneak sound oh, over the night. Smug face. The smug face. It. It. Yeah. No. That. No. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. It's so like. It's uncanny. Like, <laughs> it's. I swear, I have it. I like the faces in this in this episode, but now that we're at Anne sneaking out, I will say, while I did defend the 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 Skitman part, this is probably my least favorite part of the. This is like where I actually have a problem with the episode, where 
to me at least, and sneaking out to do something like this feels like season one Anne and not season two Anne. Yeah, because I think they played a little too hard on the humor side of it, like right, like, like they just wanted to make a huge joke out of Anne being sneaky and stuff. And I feel like that would have worked in season one, but here I, I guess maybe she needs like a little more guilt, like a little more like hesitancy. You know what I mean? Like, instead of just going a hundred percent into like sneaking around the planters. I don't. Yeah. Like oh, continue. Oh, sorry. I, I don't think the problem was that Anne, like I think if Anne was less like. If the if the if the scene was played as like less comedic and more determined from Anne's side, then I'd enjoy this a lot more because like imagine being Anne and then finding something from Earth that from I'm guessing from her point of view, she's like a hundred percent sure Marcy didn't have this and Sasha didn't have this. This is like probably like a really big like revelation for her, and if Anne treated that as such then I would have liked this moment a lot more, and like why she was she was willing to go behind the planners back and sneak back into the curiosity hut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree one hundred percent. Like, yeah, pretty honest. Yeah, I'll defend the skit man, but this is where I actually do have problems with this episode, and it's especially egregious because I mean I gushed for like five minutes about the last episode showing such a clear continuous arc of Anne's character. And then we just kind of get this, which feels <laughs> like a regression. Yeah. And like, I wouldn't say it's like, it didn't take me out of the, it didn't take me out of the episode, but yeah, like looking back, yeah, I, mean... like, I wish, I wish it was done a little bit differently. And I think that would have like, Enhance the whole part with the where the planners come back to like to rescue her a lot better, and also what they like tell her at the end. And I can see that for sure. I think like for me, I didn't mind this part too much. Too much. I can see what you guys mean that it's a regression of Anne's character. I still feel like Anne would. No, 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 I see what you guys mean. I think they definitely could have played it off as a little less comedic, but it didn't really bother me that much in this episode, in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah. I still feel like Anne would do something like that in a comedic way. I feel like season two, Anne is sort of weird. She's sort of like, she's in that weird like middle ground from season one and season three. Well, literally when season two. But like, where like, I feel like she can <laughs> totally mess around. Like in Fort in the Road, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second yeah. episode. Yeah. Or the first episode. Um, like she goes behind Hot Pops back and just does this stupid plan with Sprig, because why not? You know? Um, and it's like I feel like I can see Anne doing something like that in this season, but I can see what you guys mean. It's a little bit of regression. But I think they're at that point where like they're not far enough with Anne where I think they can play that. I think they can play with that route a little bit, in my opinion. So it didn't didn't bother me too much, but I see what you guys mean by that yeah. for sure. I, yeah, I, yeah, I think I I think the threshold is probably going to be different for each person. Um, yeah. I don't think there's like a hard and fast answer of is this in character for Anne. It really just depends on how how each person looks at it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I do. Think, I think, oh, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I, I do agree that Anne would sneak out. It was just the way it was executed did quite click with me. Yeah, I think for me, ultimately, it just feels like a scene that just tries to plan the humor like a little too much. That that being said, once she gets to the mystery shack, I don't really have any more problems with Anne's characterization. <laughs> you mean the curiosity yeah, yeah. hut? Sorry, once she <laughs> gets the curiosity hut. The, curio- the curiosity. I mean, Okay, so, like, yeah, Anne goes inside, and, like, there's not much I can talk about here. Like, yeah, like, the curator pretty much just traps Anne, and Anne kind of just realizes what's going on. She's not... Like, I I like how calmly she took it, especially until, like, when she's, like, hard on herself and, like, the curator is, like, kind of, like, comforting in a weird way. <laughs> and I, I, I'm i pretty sure Matt or Alex mentioned that, like, a lot of these lines were, uh, were, like, were improv <laughs> And, yeah, I, I can see, like, I can see it here, and I'm, I'm trying to I have some thoughts, but I'll probably talk about them later because it's maybe more Gravity Falls related. Uh, oh, and and also this is where the curator makes like the this is where he reveals that like everything is coated with wax and is actually real. He just he's just using them as his attractions, and now Anne's gonna be the attraction. The next attraction. I think, uh, honestly, I think they still did a really good job of making the Curiosity Hut. There we go. Having their own, like, mystery shack in Amphibia. I think that it was very clever. Because they didn't, like, straight up just put, like... Well, like I mean, I guess they kind of did with the gnomes. But, like, they didn't just straight up, like, yo, let's just put the mystery shack and dump it there, and then let's see what happens. They did that, but, like, in a unique way. They amphibified it. There we go. The best way I can put it. Um, And I think, like, yeah, I always like that. It makes it so then it feels like it's still a part of the show without getting you completely out of it, but you still know what it's homaging at the end of it. So I think they did a great job with that. Um, Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah, and then of course, like those, I love, <laughs> I love that that those frames of Hop Hop like swallowing Sprig's action figures and that like look of disgust. <laughs> and like the first thing is like his first thought is to immediately Brig immediately blame Sprig for it, and then that's when he finds out Anne's gone. And they, they immediately know she went back to the museum, and that's when, like, the players immediately, like, immediately, like, go out to get her. And I, the one thing that kind of bothered me was that, like, because I'm so used to, like, Polly being, like, extremely violent, that I thought she'd be, like, down to, like, I thought she'd be down the most for, like, 
Bart breaking and entering and to rescue Anne, but like Hop Hop kind of had to like drag her along because she was like afraid of like all the all the wax creatures. Yeah, well, I that led us to a lot of funny scenes. Like, I just really like the like the one moment she has with that. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't even know how to get. I mean, you guys know what I mean. Like, and it's just just one part. Like, what, what does she do? Like, she tries to get into like a staring contest with it or something. Right? And then, like, then its eyes move and she gets freaked out. Like, that was great. Oh right, yeah. I forgot to mention that earlier. Like earlier in the segment, like that creature like stares at Polly the first time and. That's what freaks her out. Like that's why she was like so fixated on like the staring contest yeah. in the second time. Yeah, so they they enter the hut to look for Anne. And then like yeah, and then meanwhile like Anne's like slowly getting like covered in wax and that's when Mr. Pods brings up like he got the the skipman from Utopia, and we discussed that. Yeah, and yeah, there's no time for a distraction by Sprig and Hop Up, so they just charge in, and immediately the curators just—he thought they were cops. I love that that joke, and oh yeah, that one's <laughs> oh, oh you're not taking me to Frog Prison. Frog Prison, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that line always gets me. <laughs> Every time in that episode, it's great. And yeah, that's then when Polly like melts that creature, then like Hop Hop and Sprig melt the other the other creatures, and they all pretty much gang up on the curator. And then we get that <laughs> he gets dragged off to the storage closet. He makes that like like the percentage joke, and then you see the red. The red liquid come out from underneath the door. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll admit that, that, that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, and, and I like how the curator, I like how imme- they immediately say it's like wax, just so like, just so S and P can approve it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think one thing I to to go back a little bit, I think. I love that Sprig and Hot Pop just run towards the curator. Like, I feel like in most cartoons, you'd have, like, the characters make this elaborate plan, and then they would, like, try to not get seen or whatever and get Anne out. It's it's not like that. They don't, they don't have any more time in the episode. Forget it. Just go. <laughs> Sprig and Hot Pop just run towards yeah, like, the curator. Yeah, they just run for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking for the frame of, like, Sprig just running at the, uh, the curator. It's pretty funny. Like... Oh, I got it. Uh, it just doesn't yeah. work either. <laughs> he just completely screws up. It's only thanks to Polly. Oh, he even <laughs> does the Muppet face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Polly saved the day. Actually, you're right about that. Polly did save the day. Yeah, they would have wow. been screwed with our <laughs> this episode, honestly. So, yeah. It was just like Hop Pop Sprig and Ann getting themselves screwed, and then like <laughs> Polly comes and comes at the last minute to save everything. Yeah, and there's not much to talk about those like those creatures in the wax, like other than maybe we 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 recognize the the love the love doves. 
and then yeah, of course there's like the 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 Shmebula, the the gnomes or I guess frog gnomes in this case. Another Gravity Falls reference, and uh, the um, we do mention the bug ball though with the uh, I forget what the the mantis whatever thing or whatever. Yeah, the the mantis that plays bug bo- air bug. That's it. Oh, it's not bug ball. Oh, damn it! No, like, no, the, that's no, the, it's, the sport. It, but the oh, the, okay. the, the, the Shane was holding a basketball. Like he wasn't gonna like, like air budge. It's like air bud. No, it's like Disney. Uh, it's like with the with the dogs. It's I think they're they're yeah. a bunch of Disney original movies, right? A bunch of animals that aren't supposed to play basketball playing basketball. Oh, but yeah, air bud or air bug in this case is is the joke I believe that is going. Yeah, gotcha. And yeah, curator's taken out. They grab Anne and they rescue her. And I guess what I really liked about it, it cuts to the sunrise and Anne's getting melted. And luckily, Sprague got Sprague got the skip man and. They get Hop Hop gives her the talk about like you you shouldn't. I like how it's not. Hop 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 does tell Anne that she was supposed to keep a low profile, and I, I like how he says that she shouldn't go into danger without them. So it's like he knows they're gonna get into all these like wacky adventures. He just wants to make sure like they're all together. I, I kind of like how like that was the focus. That was like the main point he was trying to get across, not just like, oh, you shouldn't be doing all this stuff. Like, you shouldn't be getting to. Actually, I'm not wording it well. He knows they're going to get into trouble or get into adventures. He just wants to make sure that they're all like all together and not separate when that when it happens. Because, because like like we saw in this episode, because you we get a lot of episodes where. Anne does something dumb, and then, like, she has to, like, rescue the planners or get the planners out of the situation that she got them all in. But here, it's very much, like, she got herself into trouble, and she has to rely on the planners to save her. And it doesn't usually happen. Like, Anne usually saves the planners for a lot of stuff, but the planners don't usually save Anne as often, so I I kind of like it when it happens. Like, same thing with, uh... With Corlers Pass, but not Corlers Pass. Truck stop Polly, but at least that was that was just Polly. I like how like the whole planner family had to. It, it gave them a chance to like. It gave them a chance to help, like to show that like they are also. They're pretty much an support system, I guess. I gotta think about that because, like, huh? I guess that's a good point. I feel like. The only time I can remember the planters really being like that big like ally, well, obviously they always are, but like as a whole like family kind of thing, like the, the hero saving and yeah, like I guess nah, I'm not sure if fight at the museum counts with the the um the trap they make with trying to like fight off Cloakbot or whatever. I don't know if that counts. Th- that was more that of a team effort. Good. Yeah, yeah, um. Yeah, I gotta think about that. That actually might be a really good point. I never thought about, like... Huh, that's a good point. Okay. 
And like later we'll see like Anne gets like the Anne gets like the power boosts and she's able to like take on like greater that greater threats on her own. But at least here it's like it's nice to see that like Anne ha- like still like relies on the planners for help. And usually it's yeah. like it's usually emotional support but here it, it's like one of the few instances where it's like actual literal she needs the whole family to come together and like get her out of there. I don't know. That's just it's like a it's like a minor thing that I enjoyed. Yeah, because that's mm. mentioned like a little bit in like hop. Like you don't see it, but like it's mentioned quite a bit in like hop till you drop. Like the planters always had to like save Anne when she was in trouble. Anne just never really realized it when she was an amphibia. So yeah, yeah, it's nice to see that here. I can hear Nick. I can hear Nick's brain. No. Enjoying Wax Museum a little bit more because of that observation. Oh, uh, no, not really. Huh? <laughs> no, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I really want to enjoy the episode, just like so I can say more about it. But it's just like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just listening to you guys talk, which is I mean, good enough on its own. Come on, you got you. You have to feel something when when Sprig, Sprig and the planners like. We're facing this, like facing the horizon, ready for like what comes next, and that kind of gave me the feeling that like we knew that the very next episode was Marcy at the gates. So this was basically like the end of the road trip, and I kind of like, I... <laughs> and I kind of like how they like because we we don't get that same kind of like heroic pose, staring off into the horizon. Unless it's for like a very important moment, and I, I don't know, I, I kind of felt, I've, I felt it. Like, I felt that we've reached the end of the road trip, and then the next episode was was pretty much the transition. I mean, I get what you mean, but if I'm, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I, I just, I just felt kind of disappointed that we went out on an episode like this. Like this is the end of the road trip, like Wax Museum. Like I was Damn. just. <laughs> it's a great scene. Hey, don't get me wrong. It's a great scene in the end. I, I like the idea that um, and has to learn to rely more on the planters. But like, I, I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of this episode. It's just, I, I think this. I think it's because I I have a different idea of what Gravity Falls is compared to like I guess a lot of people. So when they oh, so I guess I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going into it. I'm just saying like. Like, an homage like this, I don't know, I guess for me it's not enough just to see, like, the mystery shack and, like, a shit-posed version of Grunkle Stan for me to feel like this is Gravity Falls, if I'm being honest. Like, I I feel like I need a little more than that. Like, I need something different than that. Like, that's why I'm I mean, just, like, not that I mean, I think this I mean is Nick, good. Nick, not to get too far into it, Grunkle Stan literally did this in Gravity Falls. Okay, yeah, not in Canada. That, I know, that's what I'm about to say. Wait, wait. That was okay, not I, th- I think, I think we've covered most of wax mu- of wax museum, right? Can we like go more into the, I guess the the homage uh, part of this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, think, I think that's um, fine. I, th- I think one thing. Sorry, just one thing I wanted to mention before we go to that. Wait. So since we never use the skip man ever again, right? Is Sprig right. getting the skip man comple- like was completely pointless, right? Like the only thing we needed to know, the audience needed to know the skip man existed. Anne doesn't really need it, does she? 
It well, is kind of like, yeah. I mean, Anne. I mean, isn't Anne? Um, I mean, if it isn't, isn't the skit man not really being that helpful for Anne? Kind of the point, like. I guess that's true. Yeah. Well, like, isn't like, the point that it's not worth the risk? I, I guess the yes, show. Yeah. The show, like, they introduced this in season two. They reminded us. They reminded us of this again in season three. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely write it off just yet. Like maybe it does. Like yeah, maybe it, like, maybe there's still a chance for it to like come back into play. Maybe not for like another, not for something dramatic, but just like another appearance from it just to i mean who knows maybe maybe Anne gives greg the skip man at when when they leave i don't know or there is there is stuff or but i yeah they but get... i i i think it's okay what it ended up being i mean it's it's just a cool way to show um how that might have came um how that might have like landed amphibia yeah, yeah for sure It'd be nice if they gave the skip man back to Dr. Frakes, and then she becomes kind of like <laughs> that a lunatic. She becomes like an ally. She gets redeemed. She All yeah. she needs. Yeah, yeah but is Sasha that. also tried <laughs> to kill exactly, the planners twice. Exactly. Like, it's <laughs> like, I felt, a, I felt my soul leave my body when I lost the skip man. <laughs> like, I haven't been the same since I ever lost, ever since I lost this. Like, I, 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 that'd be hilarious. That'd, that'd be, be funny. Hilarious. Yeah. Would be, yeah. Yeah, that's just me like throwing a weird theory out there, but yeah, like I, I guess yeah, we we covered Impact's question about that, and I I, I guess when Nick was talking about these ish, like his thoughts on this homage and how it's like we get this like sleazy version of Grunkle Stan, and then like. PC, you rightfully like brought up how that's basically what who Grunkle Stan was. And I think what I like it's it's not intentional, but I like how this homage showed what Gravity Falls was without different Mabel. And this is like what it kind of makes sense because we weren't the only reason we like kind of like got attached to Grunkle Stan was because he's, like, the kid's care- caretaker. And, then, like, I'm sure, like, we, we would still like him for, like, the jokes and stuff, but that's how we, like, really got attached to him. And then this whole homage doesn't have, like, different Mabel, so it kind of... Gravity Falls was, like, a coming-of-age story. Like, you can call it a mystery and stuff, and it's true, but, like, first and foremost, it was a coming-of-age story, and that's why... Dipper was literally pining for Wendy for a quarter of the season. And yeah, like I, I got why, even though it, it was kind of <laughs> it didn't always uh didn't like No, I, I it made sense. It made sense why that happened. But that's not the kind of show Amphibia was, so you can't really have that same you can't just copy and paste that feeling into Amphibia because Amphibia has its own has its own has its own like themes and what and whatnot. So I kind of liked how like the Curiosity Hunt, and all that stuff was just basically Gravity Falls without like the 
the heart and soul. And then without that, you can. It's easier to in, incorporate amphibias, like amphibias, like show and tone into this crossover, not crossover, this homage. And and I think that's why yeah. I was able to like. At the very beginning, when we found out like about this, like Gravity Falls, D- Disney tried the best they could to like label this a crossover. Even their like promos back when like Disney actually did promos for Amphibia, like they call they called this a crossover. And like, I think we all immediately could tell it's like, no, it's not. No. That. If no, it if it was no a, if it was a proper crossover, yeah. I think I would have liked this episode less agreed because yeah because i'm not a fan I, I wouldn't be a fan of kind of if, if this was a crossover then the focus would be more on gravity falls than amphibia so at least with with the homage it still it still gives the people what they want and you know we we probably had years of people like going not years maybe one year that Amphibia was like on hiatus and aired season one about people making all these connections to Gravity Falls and oh, there's a book yeah. with that looks like Journal Number Three and this homage kind of satisfied some people's appetite for more Gravity Falls without actually like giving them something like a lesser product. And then from right, here well, on out, I- every time someone wants something a little like Gravity Falls reference we can just point to wax museum and then yeah. we can just send all the people who wanted that gravity falls references we can just send them over here and just let them enjoy their little corner while we discuss <laughs> Damn. more important matters at I, hand that's a I, lot different that's a lot different i mean the way i view it is that i mean the reason the main reason why i feel like there's an homage and why i'm glad there's a gravity falls homage is because Amphibia very much owes its existence to Gravity Falls. Like, if Gravity Falls didn't exist, Amphibia wouldn't exist. Yeah. Uh, because that's that that's where Matt like got his got to where he is. Yeah, that was Matt's start on. I think, I think he boarded Steven Universe before this, or was it after? Or during. Yeah, he yeah he, he did. He like Matt, this was not it was not Matt's first gig, but like they come they are they they are intrinsically linked just behind the scenes, in my personal opinion. Absolutely, yeah. And uh like I listened to a couple of uh like the first five episodes of like the commentary tracks of the uh Amphibia season one, and they they kind of mentioned how like a lot of people on the show like at the time were like it was their first time doing anything, not doing anything, first time like working on a show like, and they were like really reliant on like their consultants like Rob Brunzetti who worked on yeah, my life as a teenage robot and other and other shows like, and I kind of. I liked how Amphib- not Amphibia. Gravity Falls was like something like really like it was it was lightning in a bottle kind of, in a, in a way and it was like oh it absolutely it was, was yeah and it was super yeah, like yeah it was like all this energy and like looking back it seems like Amphibia is like a much more like refined process 
compared to Gravity Falls. I, I think I know what you mean. Like, not like a refined version of Gravity Falls, but like... In terms of structure gra- and... Yeah, like, Gravity Falls definitely feels a lot more, like, chaotic, yeah. I guess is the word I would use. Yeah, because I, f- I feel like there's, like, a lot more structure to, like, Amphibia compared to Gravity Falls in there. I mean, I, yeah, I know I mean, Alex wasn't, like... Because, I mean... Alex definitely planned ahead, but... Yeah. I would, yeah, I, I would, I would say that Matt definitely, Matt. I mean, Matt had, Matt, Matt has done a really good job constructing th- this show to be what it was, and he he did it in a very different way than Alex did. Yeah, because I think like I feel like Amphibia has more um, setup. I mean, I think I think both shows have like a lot of setup, but I feel like Amphibia just has like more payoffs because it's just planned to have that. And I feel. Like, because I, I know with Gravity Falls, it wasn't like I know. I think like the only actual mystery that I was set with Gravity Falls was just like the whole twist with like uh, Stanford, right? Like if I'm getting that right, I'm just, yeah. I've like watched a while, but like yeah. So I, I think yeah, I feel like that's sort of the difference between both shows. I, mean, I don't like Gravity Falls is like the mystery show, but like you know, I I just think like the way Amphibia handled itself and why I think like yeah, I found, I, found, I really do think you're onto someone when you call like a more like refined version of it. It's just yeah, it's sort of like. I don't put this in like the least controversial way. I, I guess like it takes like what made Gravity Falls really good and just I think does it better in a way. I'd no, say that, that's not controversial. I, I, I don't want to say completely, but I, like I kind of I, I in, around this time in season two, I was starting to like when I thought about it more. Like I kind of I, I preferred the show more than Gra- than Gravity Falls. Like this, I think this is like maybe I haven't watched enough Disney animated series but like i i do consider like amphibia like my f- favorite one and but i, I haven't yeah. watched i haven't watched gargoyles yeah. so like maybe that could change fair enough <laughs> I, yeah. I would i would say i like gravity falls and amphibia for different reasons but i do still like amphibia more just because I have a great respect for well-planned storylines, and I see lots of evidence of that in, in Amphibia. And I love oh, I love Gravity Falls. I love Gravity Falls. But you could kind of tell they were flying by the seat of their pants sometimes, which I think is fine, and it's what gave Gravity Falls its magic, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. you know, there were there were, there were it, it, it there, there there is no such thing as a flawless show. Amphibia and Gravity Falls included. Yeah, yeah. I think um, with it too. Yeah, because Gravity Falls kind of has this thing where like, okay, I'm not sure if I would call it episodic, but it kind of well, eh, kinda in the sense of like its episodes are very self-contained. Um, like, yeah, they still connect to a bigger hole, of course, with Gravity Falls, but, like, it is very easy to just jump into a Gravity Falls episode, watch it, enjoy it, in, like, some random, not, well, yeah, in some random point, enjoy it, because it was really good. You don't really have to watch the rest to enjoy it even more, kind I mean, of thing. It, in fairness, you, you, you can say the same thing about a lot of Amphibia. That's true, that's true. Yeah, like, that's... Like, I think yeah, in the sense Oh, of, go, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, in the sense of, like, 
I don't know. I think Gravity Falls always had like. I think you guys are right. They kind of went off the seat of their pants a little bit with it, but like I think it worked for that show. Frankly, I think it, it like did. made it stronger yeah. in general. Um, man, because it's hard for me to say which one I think is better. I really want to see Amphibia end before I make that. Yeah, I'm, and I think that's a big part of it. We are we are currently judging a like okay, not judging. We are currently make drawing comparisons between a two season show that ended years ago. And a three season show that hasn't ended yet. Exactly, yeah. Cause it, it like a lot of Gravity Falls' biggest moments are really in that like second half, at least for me anyway, that second half of season two. So like Fibia, like we're in that we're in the end game now. You know, we're getting to like a lot of bigger points for the story that are gonna like define like maybe how we think of other seasons too. So it's it's hard for me to say. But for me, Gravity Falls is always really fun because it's a fun like i watch it not every summer but i watch it like usually in the summer here and there just for fun it's an easy watch it's just two seasons there's only like what like 40 episodes i don't know yeah there 40. aren't that many episodes yeah so it's it's very easy to just go in watch it have fun and like that's really it with amphibia like it's sort of the same way with that too but again i have to see how the story ends i don't want to like make that conclusion just yet, because I don't think 3B will mess it up or anything, but like I still think 3B has a lot to do to make the whole show work, if you know what I mean, so, yeah. And I think Nick can talk about this point better. It's like I'm like super like grateful, like of course of like the impact that, I guess the groundwork that Gravity Falls laid for Amphibia. It just gets kind of frustrating when you see people like watch amphibia like in the first season and kind of say like oh it doesn't have like the same kind of like continuity and story as gravity falls and then like i'm remembering like watching gravity falls like and not <laughs> getting it like <laughs> and, like not getting what they meant by that like i think nick you can yeah it's just I, I don't even want to say because, I mean because like I'm gonna say I, I I don't want to call Gravity Falls overrated. I don't think it's like I don't think that's the case. Here. I don't think it's like just people speaking in like hyperbole. I feel like it's people genuinely remembering an entirely different show than the ones we actually watch. Like like it's it's crazy to me. Just some of the, like the some of the statements that get attached to it. It's just I don't know. It's like I hopped over from like a parallel universe where I just had Gravity Falls, and now I'm like. Now this is like something entirely different from what I grew up with, so I don't know. But, but I feel like, like what about the, okay? What I what I what I was about to say would be like it would be like a totally different topic. But like I don't know. It, it's just I feel like it's just the current animation community's weird stance of like this the type of storytelling that like shows like Gravity Falls, Steve Universe, Amphibia Star versus use where it's like. Very chill episodes, and they'll just like suddenly throw us into like this huge, crazy, dramatic episode. I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm rambling now. I'm going on to like a bunch of different points, but like it's, it's just confusing because Gravity Falls, it's sort of the exact same way as Amphibia, right? Just a bunch of different random episodic adventures, but with some continuity like laid underneath, right? Like we slowly built to something with Gideon. Like, sure, he popped up here and there, but just for like, I think maybe. 
two or three episodes where he's at, where he was like an like an actual villain. So I don't know. It's just weird because you just look towards amphibia. Like they do the exact same thing, and then you have people saying that these episodes are pointless. They don't really build into anything. It's I don't know. It's just confusing. And what was I going to mention? Like a lot of, I, I think what kind of left that mindset for people was because Gravity Falls is a mystery and how it like laid a bunch of like crumbs for people to like uncover it, it kind of helped like sustain that like level of like inst- excitement even for like a non even for an episode that wasn't like too focused on the on the narrative but it's just like looking back. It's like a, when you see people talk about Gravity Falls, they talk about it. They talk about the experience they had and not the show itself, and that's that's fine. Yeah. Like as uh-huh. an ex, yeah. as an experience, like Gravity Falls is like is like excellent, and like one of the best, like one of the very best like experiences you could have, like watching a show as it aired. But then it's like after that, looking back and how many. Like all, like all those, all the deco- dec- decoding everything was like super fun and super interesting. But then it's like, how did that go back to the show itself? And like, are you going to really use that to kind of? Is that the standard you want to leave for like a bunch of other shows that aren't even a mystery focused show? Like, like, like Amphibia is not like Amphibia does have its like own mysteries and its own secrets, but it's not it's not like it's not the same it doesn't have the same focus as like the mystery as a mystery genre. It's not it's not part of the mystery genre. So it's like it's that's not the focus and that's what makes me appreciate those like secrets and other additional it, it's more of a plus for me when we see those codes like the Newtopian ruins and whatever background like background details the show shows it doesn't yeah. it doesn't and maybe it doesn't tease you it kind of just shows you and lets you like do what you want with it but then it, it still shows you it for like a very important reason and it's not because it's not a mystery like gravity falls it doesn't like give out a bunch of red herrings and doesn't like throw you off so like looking back it's like oh the portal thing at the end of the intro in every episode wasn't it it was that that portal thing at the end of every gravity falls episode it didn't really lead to anything significant well and, i mean i think part of it is hmm. oh sorry i didn't mean to interrupt continue oh i i was just trying to figure out like a a way to Actually, maybe that intro is a bad example because Amphibia has its own like last shot of the intro, and we don't know what that means yet. Like, so maybe I can't I can't use that comparison yet. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that Amphibia, because it's not a mystery, it doesn't try to it doesn't try to like lead you somewhere. It's mostly us just like taking what we see and running with it for as long as we can, like first temple that ending we just kind of 
it didn't they didn't tease that to us like every episode. They just gave it to us in First Temple and then we're smart enough to acknowledge that like true colors didn't need to include the core again. And then they held off from that until Olivia Nunan. Yeah. And it's like it's one of those things too where like when you see the core, you can't really okay, you can't really connect the dots like of what it wants there. It's kind of just like there's the core, okay. Well, you don't even know what it is. We called it the night. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did, yeah, holy yeah. shit. Yeah, we just called it the night. <laughs> yeah, like, there is no way to connect that dot, like, at all. And I'm, so I, I think an important part of it is, I mean, they are two different genres of shows at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, that's why, like, I was trying to... I, but I feel like because Gravity Falls is a mystery, and, like, everyone was, like, always speculating... Like once Gravity Falls ended, it's like everyone wanted to carry that energy somewhere else. I think yeah. uh, I think it's one of those things too, because Gravity Falls can kind of feel like uh, more than I think for me. I think the reason why Gravity Falls has such like people remember the experience of it is because it feels kind of more than a show in the sense of you would do things outside of the show, like um, yeah, in the sense of like of all the mysteries and stuff, and it was like. It, it's so different. It almost feels like a, its own little game, kind yeah, of. Watching you trying to figure it out. So. Watching Gravity Falls as it was airing is an experience that can't be recreated. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I think I think that's really right because I know like, like you guys were on all the crazy hiatuses between episodes. Like it wasn't just like like they didn't they wouldn't just give you like two episodes. No, they would just like drop one episode and like make you wait God, either, like, two weeks yeah. or months. I remember, episode, the, like... I remember the the hiatus after not what he seems. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. that was like half a year, I think, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that was insane. Yeah, that's just, uh... yeah because that that's just that's why I feel like I don't know. Like, I guess in a weird way, each episode sort of has like a special place in my heart. It's like I know I had to wait, like like wait, 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 we had an ag- agonize. We had to like wait. I don't. I don't even, I, they were like. They weren't always super long, but like it was just, I guess each episode felt like an event, just because like, I don't know, like you, you just have to wait a weird period, of, a weird amount of time. You want to know when it was actually coming because I don't think Disney even advertised it that well, right? They would just suddenly tell you, oh, hey, a new episode's here. So it's like, I don't know, I guess. Yeah, you kind of had to search I, 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 for when yeah. the episode would come on, unless it was like the premiere yeah, just, or mid season premiere. Yeah. I don't want to say a per. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I'm done. Yeah, I, I don't know how to say it perfectly, but I guess it's just like yeah, each episode had like a special place in my heart, just because I don't know. Like every time it came back, it just felt like a big event. In a way. And I think that kind of showed me like a lot of like the reception of like a show. Like not only is it like the quality of like the episode itself, but like a lot of people are shaped by like how it's presented to them. I think that's my like main that's my main concern about Amphibia because it doesn't like season one no, was a bo- season one was like a bomb format. Season two A was alongside the Owl House and we like know how like that got popular and like they were both airing at the same time and it's like it kind of it gets all blurred in the timeline for me and and then, like, season 2B, like, we had, 
it was a decent schedule. It was a decent schedule, and then it all like led up to the <laughs> leak. God, yeah. And then, yeah. and then three A came back, and then three A, three A's midseason finale got pushed back, and we were had a lot of people talking about the quality of three A, and that was annoying as hell. And uh, and then now, yeah, and then now the show's bad. coming back in two weeks, and it's alongside the Owl House again, and. Like, like that's great if you like both, like watching both. But I don't really see an advantage to that, other than unless you like pay f- cable for just those two shows and like seeing forty minutes of content instead of twenty. But I'm I'm still this... coping that we're only getting like five episodes, <laughs> and then we'll have another yeah. break. I I want to believe that's so bad, but. Yeah, yeah, and I guess the only ex- like Gravity Falls, so like Nick said, it had its own event, and it had its own like time in the spotlight. But the there's one like from what I can remember, there was one exception to that, where there was one Gravity Falls episode that didn't have its own, it didn't have the night to itself, and that was for roadside attraction. Where right after this, yeah. Storm... Wait, really? Yeah, right after... So, Roadside Attraction happened, and then right after that, we got uh, Star vs. the Force of Evil Season 1 finale, Storm the Castle. What? And I think... Yeah, huh. I remember that. My, my memory is what? totally fucked so, up. I don't... What? I don't remember that. And Damn. now that you think about it, it's like the one... For maybe probably the one time... That Amphibia didn't have like the night, the day to itself was probably for like the best, was the best case scenario <laughs> for that episode. Oh, wait, you mean um, Gravity Falls? You said Amphibia. Or... No, because I, I'm saying the one time where Gravity Falls didn't want to have the night to itself because, like, oh, I it mean, was roadside, roadside attraction. I mean, that episode sucks. Roadside attraction. And then, like, that kind of like, when I think back to that night, or like, like Storm the Castle was like the highlight. That kind of like, in a weird way, that kind of like helped Gravity Falls because <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, that episode was fine, and oh, what's this show? Oh, wow, that's wow, that what a great finale for this show. I didn't watch. I'll check out the rest of yeah. it. That kind of just like immediately shifts the I'll conversation. Ad- I'll admit. I I do really wish Amphibia got didn't get screwed over by scheduling once. The one upside, like the one upside, is that if both Owl and uh, Amphibia are airing their two Bs to completion side by side, the way it's set up is that Amphibia will be going one week longer than Owl House. No, PC. I no. I the thing is, is that season two it? has twenty one episodes. Uh, yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. never mind then. Yeah. yeah never mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the big Dear God. Never mind then. <laughs> yeah, but oh, I, I, I'm not. I, I don't pay attention to what the Owl House schedule is. Me neither. I didn't know that either till someone pointed Damn. it out. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's just the way. There's there's not really. You can't really. Yeah. You, you can't put the blame on anyone. It's just like. It's just 
what no, luck? I, <laughs> like, I, I what would, fucking luck? I, I would I would like Amphibia to get at least one night to itself where it doesn't get screwed over, but yeah, here yeah. we are. And like to tie back to like Amphibia and Gravity Falls, it's just like yeah, like a lot of the talk about Gravity Falls is the experience, and like I kind of wish Amphibia had a better experience. experience. <laughs> but you know, okay. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, that, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, everything you mentioned about Gravity Falls, I guess that's sort of... I feel like that just ties back to why I just didn't, like, like Wax Museum that much, and I think it's just because, like, it tried to appeal to a, a side of the fan base I just don't, like, you know, like, really, I guess, match well with. Like, the people who were, like, obsessed with the mysteries and stuff, like... If I mean, honestly, when I was watching Gravity Falls growing up, like, as an air, like, I... I didn't really care that much about the mystery side of it. Like, I would watch, like, some YouTube videos of, like, I don't know, I guess some deciphering, but, like, most of all, I was just there for, like, you know, like, the silly adventures they had, like, like, like the like the hood between Dipper and Mabel. Like, I, I guess I was just really there for, like, the heart and soul of the show, I guess, in a way. Like, I, I don't want to say the, the, the mystery wasn't a part of that, but I guess, like, that just never really appealed that much to me. Plus, like, it's... Like, it was there, but it never... It never like I don't I don't I found me I I know like like a huge aspect of Gravity Falls was the mystery but like I don't know I, I, not much of the mystery led to somewhere except for like Stanford right and I guess like I guess that's why I sort of never like really regretted it, not caring that much about the side of it I guess so like when we get to this episode where like all the homages just focus on like the cool weird mystery aspect of Gravity Falls I was just like. <laughs> like I know, yeah, I was just not entertained at all. I guess and I can't blame the episode because it's, they can't just bring in Dipper and Mabel. Or something. Like you know, what I mean? like, they can't just bring in like frog versions of Dipper and Mabel. And just give me that. Like, it, 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 yeah. If they, just, if like, they had to do like a full crossover, I feel like you'd have to if you really wanted to, like with the the characters like Dipper and Mabel involved in some way, you'd have to make it at least like a twenty-two minute episode you couldn't make it like an 11 minute segment and i wouldn't want that anyway because i wouldn't want gravity falls as like legacy or canon to be like warped or changed or whatever you know what i mean so but yeah anyway nick you can keep i just i think that's why i just didn't really care for the episode i guess it just it, it focused on a side of gravity falls i just never i mean honest i mean it was fun it was cool led to a lot of great moments i guess but like you know, I was just there for, like, I guess all the themes that surrounded Dipper and Mabel, I guess. Like, everything about them, that's what I was really there for. I was I was really just there to see how going to these mysteries would affect these two. I, yeah, I guess, I guess that, yeah, that's why. And I guess, to, like, I, I'm the complete opposite for Nick on this episode, where, like, I'm kind of glad that they kept like they had a lot of gravity falls references and whatever it's like but they still kept what that show was at like at a distance to make it this like an amphibia episode and not because it's like either way whether they did like a full-blown crossover with like dipper and mabel human form interacting with these characters or just like or doing the way they did for Wax Museum with like all these homages and visual, like visual references. 
it still would have like got people talking the same amount because of the nature of the Gravity Falls fandom or just the fandom in general. So I think I, I preferred the way they did it. They handled it in this episode. I think they did it really well without like Gravity Falls like casts like a large shadow over like animation discourse. <laughs> so it, it does. It does. So I'm kind of glad that like Amphibia, yeah, like just Amphibia. I don't want to say they did the minimum because they actually like were very. They did. They did a lot of stuff to like respect its legacy and like. Yeah, I think I'm just trying to say that. I think I liked how the episode handled the way they approached this homage. Yeah, I, I guess for me, it just. I, I, I don't I don't even know my opinion on this episode even counts anymore. Because I guess for me, it's just. I guess Gravity Falls just doesn't feel like Gravity Falls without Dipper and Abel for me. And I think that's the reason here. It's just. Because like I feel like I was just really entertained by the themes of the surrounding so when we have this episode that's really just that really just has like I guess like all the flavoring and spice that was added to Gravity Falls aka all the mystery stuff I, it's just like, I'm just not that entertained by it but I can see why I can see why other people I, I guess for Nick like in Nick in your case it's like they put all the it's like all the like imagine like a like a chicken like a like a drumstick with like all the herbs and spices and breaded stuff, but instead of like meat, it's like cauliflower. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's just it's just like a watered down version of like what I grew up with. Pretty much. That's why I, I guess that's why I was not like entertained with the crossover as much as people. That's fair, but I, I guess personally for me and probably like the others, it's just like we liked how it wasn't like we didn't we didn't like transplant that those themes of Dipper and Mabel and like we didn't transplant that story into Amphibia. I think uh I think because Nick I actually see your point. I, I feel like I don't know. I, I get your point because like that was really more of like the thematic core of the sh- show um of gravity falls and it doesn't really hit your in this episode i for me i always felt like it it worked fine for what show we were in you know what i mean yeah i guess if you really wanted to bring that in i guess you could have this could be a sprig and Anne episode but like i feel like for what they were trying to do was homage gravity falls and celebrate um of amphibia's origins when you start thinking about it um i think they did an okay job it wasn't too intrusive to a point where you felt like this is too much like you know what i mean like like we're showing i don't know the point is is i think this episode works well with what it's trying to do and i feel like it's one of those things too because i feel like you can also see the show because gravity falls is a lot of different things for different people just as how amphibia or any show really will be very different um depending on how you watched it or what you did because even like for me gravity falls like i didn't really i thought about the mystery element but i wasn't super involved because when i watch a show i didn't watch it when it was airing 
I watched it the whole thing. I binged it on Hulu when it was all done. So like my experience is going to be a little different. So the way I think about the themes of the show or the characters are going to be different as well. So I feel like I don't know. I I, I think for what it was trying to do with Gravity Falls, it did a good job, in my opinion. I think they did handle it well for like for everyone's kind of perception of the show. Um, I think it it jives that pretty well here in my opinion. Yeah. And I think we we gave pretty much like final thoughts on this. And I, I guess PC, do you have any final um final thoughts on what exactly? I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um a final thoughts on Wax Museum. I still like it. I do understand where Nick is coming from, personally. But I still enjoy it. Uh, just because I, it's just a fun episode of television. Um, but there, it is a flawed episode of television, but it's a fun episode of television. As for Gravity Falls as a whole, like, I don't know, man. I have a lot to think about on that. You can make a whole podcast in and of itself with that, honestly. There's like oh, five. God, you can make. <laughs> yeah, we could. I mean, I, yeah. Oh, is that I, what we're going to do? Is that what we're going to do after the show's over? No. Yeah, we watch Gravity Falls, and I fucking fight. I mean, yeah. I think there's like five yeah. different podcasts like covering oh, shit. Yeah, Gravity point. Falls from like a new fan's perspective. Like, it, like I, I've it's listened great. to some of them. They're pretty interesting. But... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I love Gravity Falls. That's never going to change, but like... Uh, I feel like my issues are Gravity Falls. Like, not not Gravity Falls. I feel like it has like really. If I have any issues, that's enough to Gravity Falls. Like, it's just has. It just has to do like the current landscape of like discourse of animation. Like, it just feels. I feel like it, we're. I feel like we're just in a weird space when it comes out. We talk about like animation in general. Just like the weird fixation on like quote unquote plot centric shows. Uh, how people feel about like quote unquote filler, how people just feel about Gravity Falls, like all, all that stuff. It just feels feels weird to me. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things too. I can't so I can't really fault the show for that. You know what I mean? Like it's not really yeah. Gravity Falls' fault per no. se with that. You know? Yeah, of course. It's not. like it's it's how people kind of perceive the show and project that onto Amphibia, which you know, I don't know how I feel about that. It's because I'm not I'm not in the fandom space as much as you guys are, just straight up in terms of that kind of thing. So I'm pretty fresh in the fandoms in general, the cartoon community. So, but I do notice it. It is very like, because I do think Gravity Falls had this thing where it kind of was an episodic show. It just had a mystery. So then you weren't acting like, where's the plot? What's going on? <laughs> Even though they yeah. the Grav- yeah, you're you're 100% on board. Like you are, yeah. you have gotten. You've you you've you've put your finger on the exact thing. It was episodic, but the mystery through line kind not disguised that, but changed that. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah there's still some way for you to feel invested, even if the episode was just like <laughs> I don't even know. It, it could just be like twenty two minutes of Dipper lusting after what lusting over one, but then they'll just be like <laughs> this code in the back where you're like. Holy shit! Basically, <laughs> that's all you needed. That's all you needed. That's all you needed. It works. It works. 
But well, I, I mean, David, it works. I mean, it's a great show. Like, I can't even. Yeah. It's a great show. I guess to end on to end on like a more optimistic note, I think. Yeah. The advantage of people, like talking about like wanting all this like plot-heavy, serialized stuff. Like, at least it shows to, like, I, I guess to, like, the, the networks that, like, there's, like, a demand for this. And no oh, matter, like, sure. and no matter how hard they, like, try to do what they want, there's always going to be, like, an audience for this. It's just a matter of, like, who wants to, like, tap into it. And, I mean, like, because it's not like people are going to go back to not talking about Gravity Falls. and <laughs> No. No. People and, are going to talk about Gravity Falls for a very long time. And when you think about it, like, when the show when the show first premiered, like, when I remember, like, I remember, like, watching this when I was, like, younger. <laughs> and then, like, when it, like, first premiered for the, when it premiered for the first time, it was a hit. When it ended, it was a hit. And, like, it's only gonna get more, like... It's only gonna get more, like, popular and more, like... More people are gonna learn about... Like, are gonna, like, discover the show. It's only gonna be a good thing, I think, in the long run. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just... I I, I think it's... it's, I think just, like... How people... How media criticism work, I guess, animation. I feel like it just needs... I feel like we just need more shows like Amphibia that aren't like scared to be like very character driven. Because I feel like that's sort of what um what a lot of people just can't accept themselves. Like they, they can't like you know like like they can't accept the idea of like a plot being centered around like characters' desire, like, their discomforts, blah 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 blah. Like I I think we need more stories like that just so we can have people like I have like honestly yeah I, I have like no hostility towards Gravity Falls. I don't blame it for anything. It was just yeah, I don't know. I, I just think people gotta, like... I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel like part of this is just because a lot of people are just stuck in Gravity Falls. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people just haven't, like, moved on from that show, try to, like, watch new things, try to explore anything else, I guess. I, I don't know. It just feels like... It's a show that ended six years ago, but it's, like... Still around. Yeah, it, yeah it's still clinging on really, really hard. It's, it's like we can't... We just haven't let it go. We just haven't let go of it yet. Yeah. Still... I feel like I feel like most of like the Owl, Owl House and Phibia, I feel like they are still um I, you know, but yeah, Gravity Falls is still a character driven show. Like like yeah. to the end. Like, yeah. like oh, it's not like uh, absolutely it's it's like I feel like I don't I don't know if I'm repeating myself, but I'll say it anyway. Well, see, like, that's like, that's what like, I'm talking about here. It's like, I'm oh, sorry, I'm gonna let you go. Keep going, keep going. I was, I was gonna say, like, because Amphibia and the Owl House are two very different kinds of shows. Like, but they're like, Gravity Falls, all those shows are all character driven. The characters change the plot. As they develop, it changes what happens in the story naturally. But I think how it's presented that way um, is why people may have a problem with, like, say, 3A of Amphibia, where, of course, they're gonna, like, have major, big, awesome plot moments, um, but when we have, like, an episode with, like, Polly, that's, like, really fun and cool, but since, like, there isn't mention of, like, going to the portal, I mean, getting away back to Amphibia, or Sasha, or Marcy, 
it can feel a little weird for I don't know. I don't know where I'm getting at with it, but essentially like these shows are all character driven, but like the mystery was what held it up back in Gravity Falls. So people weren't like, Where's the plot, man? Oh my god. Yeah, that's just what drives me insane. Because, like I, I it's like it was it's the same style of storytelling, but like I guess the mystery even so the only actual like mystery plot that was, paid off. Just, yeah, that actually had a pay, that actually had payoff was just like the whole journal stuff. It, it's still like it's I feel like it's people have just forgotten what this show was actually. Like it, it's I don't know. Like so I, I sometimes I, sometimes I just question like would Gravity Falls be as successful it came out today? Like maybe people like love it just as much? I mean like, would you see people complaining about, like, I don't know, I guess the lack of lore in this episode, the lack of, like, dramatic moments or something? Like, like would people complain about that? Like, sometimes I just question. I, I know the whole mystery aspect is there, but, like, I think, you know, I just feel like this type of storytelling is sort of falling out of favor. Like, that's the, the power of it. The alternate timeline where Amphibia came out first. Before Gravity Please, falls. please. <laughs> My God. It would have been popping off like that. Like the, ah, uh, uh, what was I going to talk about? Nick, you, you were talking about like alternate universe where, where people. Yeah, I was like, talking about the fact that it's like, it feels like I, I came from like, <laughs> and it feels like I, I came into a different universe after Gravity Falls ended. We're like, now it's this entirely different show from what I grew up with. Like, oh, people are giving praises to it that just don't match it at all. Like, it's like, oh, are you I, talking about a different show? No, because I remember, okay, when. After not what he seems, when like the there were a lot of there were a lot of like I don't want to say complaints. It was just like observations that like the show was going a lot faster from for the last ten episodes of uh, season two of, of of Gravity Falls. And uh, yeah, uh, I'll be honest, yeah. I kind of share those complaints. Yeah, and then but then the power of it. At the time, we didn't know if we were getting a season three or not. That was still up in the air. Or actually, Alex wasn't allowed to tell us about that. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. really? It's crazy yeah. how things don't change. It's crazy how things don't change like yeah, that. Yeah, the more... But... the more, Yeah, I think they just stay the same. Yeah, and then I guess the power of like a good ending is that you don't really see that criticism anymore. <laughs> like I remember like every yeah. episode, it's like, oh, wow, we're like we're going like through a lot of stuff. Like things are progressing at a very fast rate and Ford isn't getting like a lot of screen time and roadside attraction. What What's up with that? And, and then, oh, and then, I'll always be salty about Ford not getting more screen time. But then, but then, but then the ending happened and it was really yeah. well done. And all those criticisms kind of got like washed away into, in, in yeah. like, that that history was kind of like forgotten, <laughs> not forgotten. Just kind of like it's it's like it's a footnote now. Yeah, in the, in the history. <laughs> like, yeah, you have to like, yeah, you have to turn all the way to page nine hundred ninety nine to like to see anything. <laughs> like it's just it's you got to go yeah, to the that, appendix. Yeah, <laughs> you're so right about that. Just the power of a good ending. Like, like I'm salty about Fortnite getting more, but like I mean. They didn't. They, they did really good with them in the final episode. So it's like, damn it! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what to complain about now. 
Huh. It it makes me think like for other shows too, has that been the case? Like yep. for Avatar, right? Like I I hear I heard this weird complaint like that like the beginning of season three fans didn't actually like it for some reason. But I don't hear that anymore when people watch the show on Netflix and stuff. I don't hear any of that at all. It makes me wonder how like history has like warped people's perceptions of shows. Like Amphibia, I wonder how that's gonna go. Oh my god. Imagine like five years from now. We don't know the ending. So I mean, people might be saying like 3A was bad. Like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 that's why I feel like it's going to happen with this type of thing. I feel, like, I feel like as long as you end well, even, okay, even if you weren't, like, well-received during that time or you're just unpopular, I feel like as long as you end well, I feel like five to ten years later, people are going to discover the show. They're going to be like, holy shit. Holy shit. Was this here the whole time? Because I feel like that yeah. happens, like, all the time. Like, I, I don't, like, Batman the Brave and the Bold. Um, yeah. Like, Looney, the Looney Tunes show. Um... Um, Avatar Legend of Korra, there's, there was like a recent one, like fucking, even Word Girl, like this random ass show from PBS Kids. <laughs> World Girl Avatar. has made a weird splash. Yeah. Now, like, that's what I'm talking, like, it's as long as you're good, I feel like people will discover you someday. So I feel like, yeah, even so, yeah, the, the reception for MTV the... is really weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, the reception for MTV is like really weird right now, but I feel like, just give it time, I feel like it will come around. But really, because I feel like, it's like Thumb said, just having a solid ending does you so many wonders. Like, just avoid having a bad ending. It's like, that just ruins you. That just ruins you. I think, I think it's a good time to, to wrap up. I think we've. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm, I think this is a good place to end off. Thank you guys for coming on tonight. Really appreciate it. And that pretty much concludes this week's recording of Wartwood Gazette. And next week, we'll be covering Marcy at the Gates. That's going to be, I think that's going to be our final, that's going to be our final episode of two season two coverage before we go back into season three. Yeah. We'll see whether or not we can. We'll see whether or not the five episode and then break Please. theory is true. <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, I think we already talked about it in the past recordings. Yeah, we, we're either gonna end on the show or we're gonna end on after the rain, which I'm down for either. But we'll we'll see how it goes. But uh, I mean, I mean, I, I would like to go out of the bag though. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like... Right, but yeah, I know. We'll, we'll see though, but. That's all for this week. That's all for this week, and uh, thanks for listening, and see you guys next time. Say goodbye, everyone. Bye. I'll see you guys. Have a good one, everyone. See ya.